Reveille, reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. It's a Wednesday edition of Morning Combat, and we intended to talk about many things today, including BC, the fact that it's my daughter's third birthday. Happy birthday, Feliz Cumpleaños, to my daughter, Violetta, but we have business to attend to. Hello, everyone. I'm one half of the Morning Combat hosting duo. My name is Luke Thomas, joined on the other side of the screen by the Viceroy of Connecticut, my friend and yours. He's very chatty this morning, very chatty. Brian Campbell. What's up, BC? Sorry, Luke. Apparently, I made a, a bunch of our employees uncomfortable on this morning's pre-Zoom call, but uh, I'm here to provide the same uh, compliment to our viewers as well for the next two hours when we've got a fantastic show on this thump day, Luke. In fact, we're going to put you in that chair, Luke, okay? I don't mean the electric chair, but it might as well be the MK equivalent when you sit down and play a little truth or trivia, brother. Oh, shit. Truth or trivia. We'll do that today. Are we doing fan subs as well or not? Yes, we are. Okay. Yeah, fan subs as well. So we have a busy, busy Wednesday show for you with a slate of weekend fights that are... There's a couple of decent... There's actually just a couple of good fights, but mostly great. on the boxing side. The MMA yo, this weekend Yo, mother is, effer. Woo. It's a great weekend for boxing main events. Great, okay? Yeah. The MMA, good main event, actually. I will not hate on the main event. The main event is legit, but everything else is... Not that money. All right, we'll talk about it just the same. Would Thumbs you go as the far video. as saying Basura, Luke? It's uh, trash, you know. That's so. It's very disrespectful to call it trash, but let's put it this way. There's not much star power on these cards. Not much star power. All right, so thumbs up on the video if you're watching on YouTube. Please hit subscribe if you haven't. If you're listening on podcasts, thank you just the same. Give us a nice review on whatever podcast platform you use. BC, of course, you mentioned, or I mentioned we're doing uh, fan subs. Best way to get those in, morningcombat at gmail.com. Those are also for Friday's Dead Wrong. Also, if you just need to reach the show. Showtime.com is the label that pays. You can go to showtime.com, get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can bounce. And BC, you're for once not wearing MK gear. But if you yeah. want to, you can get some morningcombat.store. Uh, in fact, if you want to come and get some, now would be a great time. Our, our, our fantastic merch maven, RJ Dinkelhopper, told me today, Luke, that we're running a, a special, a promo right now. It's called Live 10. You want 10% off all the great shit we got at morningcombat.store? Why don't you do that? Why don't you put your money where your mouth is and get 10% off there using our code LIVE10? Um, Luke, the, the one thing I'll always say, disagree with the designs all you want. Can you wear all of it to your kid's soccer game? Probably not. But the quality, fantastic. Okay? Fan it is nice fantastic. quality. Yeah, right. it is nice quality. And we got some stuff coming up for, you know, uh, some big milestones in the year. So be on the lookout for that. Um, all right, BC. If you are ready, I am ready to oh, get Oh, one this more thing, started. Luke. Yes. It's a it's a big week for comedy, even beyond the shit I say. But I really Here enjoyed your appearance on uh, Brendan Schaub's Thick Boy Nation pod. Um, I think he's right. You are the face of Showtime, and I'm happy to be along on this journey with you. Okay. It's like, I don't know how true. I mean, it's a very generous thing to say, but I don't know how true that is, in part because I'm not on Showtime. <laughs> it's like, if you watch Showtime, you'd actually never see me. So I don't know how true that is. But you know what? It was a nice thing to say, and I think his uh, special comes out tomorrow so be on the lookout for that all right uh b sizzle you ready to get the show going 
Yeah, I'm I'm ready to get this party started, Luke. Okay, all I'm, right. I'm the I'm I'm the it's the, it's my party. All right, <laughs> let's do it. Okay, because you'll it's cry great, if you want to. It's a great weekend for the box, Luke. I can't wait to get inside that box. You know, same. I mean, same goals I had as a teenager, Luke. Only I was unsuccessful then, right? I know. But you see, and then you wonder why everyone was uncomfortable on the morning call. It's like I can't wait to get inside that box. What did I say? What did I say? <laughs> you are sport. a walking HR great, violation. Great sport, Luke. Okay. <laughs> the best sport maybe all right let's start with <laughs> with uh topic number one if we can let's, UFC. let's let's taco about it luke please okay uh vc topic number one we start with the ufc this weekend now as i mentioned the card itself again calling it good or bad it is true that we don't know what the hell what will happen with the fights but it is also quite true that whatever ends up happening eventually there's very little star power on the card and a lot of these guys are coming off contender series or like they're one fight past contender series but not in the main event the main event is pretty great actually in fact i love it rob font at bantamweight taking on marlon vera and both of these guys bc have a lot going for them both of them i would say rob font getting his last win over garbrandt was the big one but then you know face planting frankie edgar with a front kick if you're Chito Vera, ain't too bad either. Both of these guys are coming off of wins over some of the bigger names in that division. Size this one up for me. When you think about what these two are really going for, is it that top three placement? Is it to prove that they're the next guy in line? What is it? Yeah, it's for absolute legitimacy and to prove that they're within that top five, that they're in striking distance of a title shot. And Rob Font got pretty damn close with that win streak you mentioned, got brought back down to earth by the great Jose Aldo. And to some degree, Marlon Vera did the same three fights ago when he also lost to Aldo. The difference is that Vera has won two straight. You mentioned it, front kicking the answer to the question uh, of who's one of the greatest fighters in history, and that's Frankie Edgar. He set him down, Luke. Now they're going to fight each other. And look, you know, I mean, I can go overboard on telling you this card ain't deep at all. We're in a little bit of a, of a season of, of, of weak-ass fight night cards. But I'll say this. We're, on, we're about a week away from a fantastic pay-per-view May 7th in Phoenix. And at least UFC's keeping the show on the road and putting these fights out. And this main event, it, it is must-see, Luke. And I think it's for legitimacy above all else. They're both battle-tested. They both won and lost at a very high level. Which one, though, at a key point in both of their careers is going in the right direction? They're going to have to go through each other to get there. And, Luke, when you look at these betting odds, they really reflect how good this fight is just a few days out when we have Marlon Vera plus 110 underdog, minus Mm. 130, Rob Font the favorite. Do you agree with that setup entering this one? A little bit. Uh, Yeah, um, Yeah, probably. A, because the odds are so close. I agree with that. And I could see, even though Font is coming off that loss to Aldo, which was thorough, the win over Garbrandt was equally thorough in the positive direction. Aldo's an all-time great, so it's not like you can't, it's not like you can ignore the Aldo fight. In fact, that's part of it. But, you know, Font's ability, and we'll talk more about this on Friday, but Font's ability to sit behind the jab, Font's ability to move, Font's, Font's striking defense. I mean, he did go the distance with John Lineker. Both these guys, I think, actually went the distance with John Lineker. So he's durable, he's tough, he's, and, he's, and he's very, very fundamentally sound. Chito Vera, a little bit more of a wide-open style, a little more Muay Thai-ish in that way, a little more leg-kick heavy, whereas Font is box-heavy. And Font might be... I have to look at the numbers, actually. I don't have them in front of me. In fact, I'll pull them up. Uh, but I'd be curious to see who has the higher output. I would imagine it's actually, in terms of strikes landed per minute, I'm going to guess, I'm going to guess it's actually Rob Font. And let's see, strikes landed per minute... 
Yeah, it is by a significant margin. 5.64 for Rob Font, just 4.08, which is still high for Marlon Vera. Dude, he gets busy behind that thing. But I think he, you know, you're looking at the rankings too, BC. You've got Font sitting at five. You've got Vera sitting at eight. For Vera, this is a much bigger fight than I would say for Font. Font beat Garbrandt, then tasted the Aldo level and had to come back down to earth as, uh, a bit, as you indicated. For Vera, he got his biggest, I think, profile fight in terms of not so much quality per se, although he was a quality fighter as well, but the, the, the biggest limelight has been from the O'Malley fight, which he won, but that didn't offer quite the same level of bona fides that beating Rob Font would, and it would arguably push him into the top five. And just remember, who's in that top four space, BC? Sterling is your champion, then it's Jan, then it's Dillashaw, then it's Aldo, then it's Sandhagen, all four guys who on the right night could probably beat maybe the other guy. That's a little debatable, but they're all pretty close. You enter just south of that territory, just south of that top four fray. That would be new territory for Marlon Vera, and I would argue the biggest win of his career by far. Yeah, no, no question. It'd be three wins in a row. It'd be the biggest win of his career. He is ranked number eight coming in, Font ranked number fifth. It's essentially Vera's chance to take Font's spot in the rankings and really welcome all killers from here on out, whether it's the number six ranked Marab Davilashili. Look, how, how am I saying that, right or wrong? Because I can't. So I always, I always thought it was Davalashvili, but then they apparently say their V's like W's, so it would be Davalashvili. There ain't no, there ain't no chance in hell it's Davalashvili, Luke. I'm just I mean, saying that's on. how they say. It. I don't I know. Mean, that's how they say it on the broadcast. I don't know. I mean, it wouldn't be hanging out with Luke until you send me an audio file of your wife attempting to pronounce a name, pronounce a name Luke. That's you. No, I just know people are stupid and they think they're going to dead wrong me. So I want to get a native speaker saying uh, some words right. just to it's be a, on the safe side. It's a preemptive strike, right? I like it. I like it. Uh, look, your, yeah, no. Protect yourself at all times, BC. That's what I say. But obviously, Rob Font coming off that big loss is still in the number five spot with with Aldo moving up to three. So no shortage of stakes. Luke, do you believe either man? And obviously, we have to wait to see who wins, who who appears to have the upper hand. Do you believe either either man are a legitimate threat to this world title in the sport's deepest division? Not saying a win here gets them, you know, it gets them decently close. But we're not saying a win here gets them next. There's a lot of crowded names here. You see Dillashaw doing a lot of interviews. Uh, God, Henry Cejudo could be parachuting in all we know next. But do you think the winner here um, could win the damn title? I, I don't know if I believe in either of these guys yet on that level. That's right. I mean, part of what they could achieve here is not just a rankings move or some of the other things we've indicated, but it's a question of like, could could they inspire you as a future, future title hopeful, which is your, what your question is. I'll say this. Um Font beating Vera, it's not like Vera is a poor fighter. He's, he's in the main event for a reason. He's very, very good. But because he lacks that sort of major... I mean, the, the Edgar win is nice, but we know Edgar is close to the end of his run. It wouldn't, it wouldn't represent... I don't know what you could learn from that. But I'll say it the other way. This is sort of like a good part for Chito Vera. You know, Aldo couldn't put away Font, right? That one went the full distance, if memory serves. Um, I believe that's correct. And so, yeah, it was a decision. So it's not like Chito Vera has to go in there and finish him, but I'll say this. If Chito Vera can put it on Rob Font in a way where he can clearly show you that there's a distance between me and this other guy, finishing him I think would be very difficult, but if he did that, like Vera to me has an opportunity here. Not so much Rob Font, at least from what we can tell, but for sure on the Chito side, Rob Font we know to be quality. We know how he measures up so far against the very best. He's close but no cigar. 
if Cheeto can give us something like what those other guys can do, yes, you're playing a little MMA math when you do that. But, dude, I'm just pointing out, nobody beats Rob Font who isn't very good. And even the ones yeah. who are very good don't beat him easily. What if you saw something like Cheeto Vera go in there, I'm just going to imagine a scenario, where Cheeto goes in there and just kind of beats him up. That would, that would provide you, maybe title aspirations are still a little bit far away, but that would completely shift, I think, how a lot of folks think about Vera, who is good, maybe not great. You go in there and you beat the shit out of Rob Font. Dude, you're a very good fighter at that point. Yeah, I got two quick questions on this topic. One, uh, you mentioned that this could this Rob Font win since he's ranked fifth. If che if Cheeto gets a win here on Saturday, um, it could be the biggest win of his career. But don't you think long term that win over Sugar Sean O'Malley to to slow his hype? Even with the injury, although I don't think the injury was the main reason for that defeat, Luke, that may end up being his best win when, when all is said and done and he retires one day. You possible. It's possible. But again, we still don't know the full upside of Sugar Sean O'Malley. We know, again, is Sean O'Malley talented? Yes, of course. He's obviously very, very good. But we, we don't have enough of a measuring stick to say exactly how good he is. With Rob Font, dude, we got a pretty good idea about how good Rob Font is. And he's really, really good. He's a very excellent, technically well-trained, and at this point, very experienced fighter. He has seen a lot of what this division has to offer, and I would argue in ways that even Chito Vera has not. So this is my point. You know, I don't know what will happen on Saturday, but if Vera can go in there and be like, I'm just going to mug this guy, that would be, that would be a real wake-up call about how far his potential um, he's raised his own potential and how far he's come. Uh, and, and again, would help you reimagine what would actually be possible for him to, to win in a UFC cage. Beating Rob Font is very difficult to do. Again, look at Rob Font's losses. He has the loss to Aldo. He has the loss to Asuncao, which was back in 2018. I would favor Font to beat Asuncao now. Pedro Munoz, he's a tough one, and Pedro got him with the guillotine choke. And then John Lineker, who he, who he went the distance with. Now, that's not an unimpeachable resume, but since the Asuncao loss, he beat Pettis, the current bantamweight champion, who we know to be very good, Ricky Simone, Marlon Moraes, and Cody Garbant. Dude, I know that those wins are not unimpeachable. You can always nitpick a few things here or there. Those are solid wins, man. Those are really but, good wins. And he TKO'd Marlon as well. But critical question number two in this pack of questions that have now become a trio. Uh, number two, Luke, if Rob Font loses yet another put his head above water, check where he's really at moment, is he destined to become the Neil Magny of this division? I think Neil accepts a little bit more risk with the matchmaking, which isn't to say that Rob's had an easy time, but I think Rob is definitely looking a little bit more focused at a purposeful path towards ascension. Whereas I think Neil just has this, you know, gunslinger mentality and uh, they're a little bit different. So I, I don't know if the analogy works so well for me. It was a reach, your, Luke. It was a reach. Okay. But my reach. third, but reach I'll, I'll say this. this, I'll say this, like it would firmly entrench him in the back half of the top 10 for sure. Indeed. Uh, finally, Luke um, Cheeto Vera, who I love, by the way, he's a great interview. Um, it's just his Ecuadorian, Heritage, is that close enough to Colombian where you have welcomed him under the wings of whatever he does from here on out, I got his back? It's one of the three Bolivarian states, which is why the Ecuadorian, Colombian, and Venezuelan flag looks alike. But despite how, uh, I would actually say Colombians have more in common with Venezuelans. They're a little bit more alike culturally um, uh, than, than the other way around. You actually see, a, I mean, obviously now there's been a humanitarian crisis, but my point being is, if you go to Colombia, you see Venezuelans everywhere. Not just poor and destitute ones, but you know there's a lot of them. Uh, I, don't, I don't recall ever meeting anyone from Ecuador in all my travels there. So, okay. 
Keep, take that for what it's worth. Anecdotal, but take that for what it's worth. The lady who cuts my hair is from Ecuador, Luke, okay? What part? Do you know? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, it's just one big old country. It's all the same. <laughs> right near the beach, your boy. Uh, probably close to the equator, I'm going to guess, Luke. Probably close. Probably close to the equator, yes. That is, yeah. That's a fair assessment, BC. All right. Also on this card... Again, the rest of the card, not that great, but there are some interesting fights. Arlovsky is back. Dude, Arlovsky is off another unbelievable win streak. Listen to this. His last loss didn't come till Tom Aspinall, which was in February of 2010. And then before that was Jairzinho Rosenstrike, which was 2019. Since then, he's beaten Felipe Lins, Tanner Bosser, Chase Sherman, Carlos Felipe, and then Jared Vandera. BC, this weekend, he takes on Jake Collier, who is... A little heavier set. This guy used to compete at uh, middleweight and now is heavyweight. He's up and down. He has won and lost alternately all the way dating back to 2014. Uh, it comes off of a win over Chase Sherman. High expectations for this one. I can't imagine that you do, but Arlovsky, <laughs> no, has, Arlovsky has proven to be a, a very, very durable guy. Dude, UFC loves doing this when they have a shitty-esque fight night card. They're like, do we have heavyweights on here? They have to be in the, the co-main event. Look, no. Is this another winnable, winnable fight for Arlovsky in this, I want to say his twilight, but this is like his twilight after the twilight, Luke. Yes, it is. So that that's interesting. But I have much more focus on, on, on some potential bangers, Luke, including uh, Touchy Feely uh, against Joe Anderson Brito. But maybe more specifically, Luke, this... um. Darren the damage or the the danger, whatever he calls him, whatever his weird chest hat says, Elkins against Tristan Connolly, who's that guy, Luke, that guessed out me. Uh, isn't that the guy that guessed out Michelle Pedeta like uh, a couple divisions higher? Or am I have the wrong man? I think I don't it know. is. I don't know. I don't. This is a featherweight for me to though. remember. Yeah, I'm, you know, I can look that up. But there's a couple okay fights, is my point, up and down this card, Luke. Does, yes. Do any of those move you, as does uh, Christoph Jotko against Gerald Mearshart? That's that's interesting, at least. Nah, not really. I would say a couple things I would point to, the ones that stand out to me. Andre Feely, he gave Bryce Mitchell actually a pretty tough fight, a much tougher fight than Edson Barboza. Now, Bryce Mitchell won that one uh, cleanly, but... If you go back and you watch, Feely definitely had a couple of moments where he was giving him some trouble. And then he takes on a guy off the Contender Series who had a loss, I think, in his UFC debut, Joy Anderson Brito. That's an interesting fight. A couple other ones to pay attention to. Uh, this dude, Johan Lainessi, I'm not sure how you pronounce his name correctly, undefeated out of Canada. But the other one, undefeated out of Valley Tudo, Japan, Tetsuro, Ta I'm going to say Taira. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Tara. Uh, he's undefeated, again, prospect out of the flyweight out of Japan. Kind of like a good-looking dude to see how far he can go because he's, what he's shown so far has been pretty interesting. But other than that, I don't really have a ton of interest in this car, to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah, Luke Tristan Connolly gassed out Michelle Pedeta and and beat him in that fight, which was a which was a low point in 2019 for for Pereira. But uh, since then, he's uh, he's coming off a loss to Pat Sabatino. Now he's down to featherweight, so that should be an interesting brawl. But yeah, Luke, this is really a. Uh, it's I mean, it's kind of like when you walk into Cumberland Farms and you're hoping, dude, you're fucking hoping they got those gri the, the grillers, the roller, you know, you, you're hoping. And then all they have, Luke, is are, are hot dogs. And you're like, you know, I mean, it's, I'll take it, right? <laughs> you know, it's like, it's not good for me, but I'll take it. Uh, yeah, that's about how I feel. I mean, there's the, the main event is great and everything after that is... You know, I mean, the main event's pretty but, good, Luke. It's, yeah. We're pretty good. But can we put this UFC thing behind us and all you MMA-only fans can tune out now? Because, Luke, yes. this boxing weekend is studly. 
It's right, like so there's, me. There's, yeah. yeah. There's two yeah. big main events. We'll go in order. First main event, Shakur Stevenson taking on Oscar Valdez. Second main event, Katie Taylor versus Amanda Serrano. Let's start with Stevenson versus Valdez. BC, set the table because if you are a boxing fan, they are super excited about this one. Shakur Stevenson, who may be the future of the sport. I don't think it's all that crazy to say. He could be, could be taking on another hammer in Valdez. Odds are close, but people favor Stevenson. Set the table for MMA fans. Who are these guys, and why does this fight matter? Uh, two undefeated fighters, both champions at 130 pounds, looking to unify titles. First time, by the way, this division will have a unified championship out since Manny Pacquiao was last year in 2009. So that tells you the distance. Here's why this really matters. Um Everything you said about Shakur Stevenson was true. Silver medalist at the 2016 Olympic Games. You know, maybe had a little hiccups here outside the ring and here or there. Had a couple performances that were a little, you know, calm. But when he stepped up in class and put his nose to the grindstone, Luke, he's special. In fact, don't forget three fights ago, I said, look, this guy's going to end up being the pound-for-pound king. Look, he's on his way to doing that. I also think he's on his way of rising in weight. Uh, A former champion at 126, now a champion at 130. Southpaw, boxer. Does, is really, I think, the only fighter now deserving of Mayweather praise in comparison. And that's crazy. And I am talking more about pretty boy Floyd Mayweather, the younger version of him than the welterweight money may. But the point is, we don't compare anybody to Floyd Mayweather for a reason. But he's got this, the, the slickness, the toughness, not a big power puncher, but just a genius in there. And Luke, he's facing... Such a style contrast that could be perfect in terms of entertainment. Could be. And that's Oscar Valdez, who we remember won a title at 126. Uh, Stevenson became his mandatory there. And Team Stevenson has said all along that Oscar Valdez has been ducking him. And that's why he moved up to 130. But, Luke, he did move up to 130 and take on the badass at 130, Miguel Burchell. And he hammered him. He knocked him the hell out in in the knockout of the year. Since then, though, there's the footage from that robeson Conceição fight in which Oscar Valdez drank the tea that popped him for drugs. The fight still went on controversially. Valdez won a close but disputed decision. So his stock last year was at an all-time high after the win over Burchell, but kind of came back down to life. He is trained by Eddie Reynoso, the uh, manager and trader of Canelo Alvarez. And Luke, he is uh, a former brawler who has really figured out how to become a full-time boxer puncher. So the ground is set for this because, you know, Stevenson's still claiming that Valdez's team tried to duck him for this fight, that they were trying to get Emmanuel Navarrete in the ring for a title fight. Um, We're going to have it. It's going to be in Las Vegas. The best news for boxing fans as it relates to that other great fight is that top rank in ESPN and DAZN, which is handling the, the women's fight, have agreed to stagger their main events so they're not on at the same time. This is one of those like rare wins for us in the boxing game. But here's ultimately beyond just the fact that it's unbeaten champion versus unbeaten champion and two names that the hardcores know that are on the verge of breaking through. Here's why this fight really matters. It's because of Stevenson's upside, Luke. This is his toughest test to date by far. But when he stepped up and won a world title last fight at 130 against Jamel Herring, the, the fighting Marine, I mean, dude, he, he destroyed him. There has been a few times in history where matchups like this have happened, and this is where the Floyd Mayweather comparison comes in. Do you remember, and by the way, this is what, this could be a pay-per-view fight. This really could. It wouldn't sell a ton, but it's such a great fight, it could be a pay-per-view fight, and it's not, which is great. But you know what was Floyd Mayweather versus Diego Corrales back in the day? What was it, 2000? That's big. You're saying big names now. Okay, when they fought, it was considered the toughest challenge by far on Floyd's resume. 
the experts were split, but a lot of them were picking Diego Corrales by knockout because at that point, at that weight class, which I think was 130, I could dead wrong me, it could have been featherweight, but the point is they met at a at a huge early point where we were like, okay, if Floyd is for real, dude, he's got to beat Corrales. And Luke, I mean, he <clears throat> pissed on Diego Corrales. He knocked him down five times until finally Corrales' corner stepped in and threw the towel, and we were like, oh, shit, Pretty Boy Floyd is not just who we thought he was. Like, he's way better. Luke, uh, the styles match up here where it's not that Valdez is some scrub. It's not that he's slow. It's not that he's a brawler only. But I think Stevenson is so good that even with these odds being close and even with the high stakes and everything that we love about it, I'm not convinced that that Shakur's not going to go in there and do what Floyd did to Corrales. Or even what Floyd did to Arturo Gotti in their pay-per-view fight, which they tried to play up to be this big, even fight, and and Floyd just, just urinal-caked him. I cannot wait for this fight for that main reason, Luke. Above the style contrast, above everything else, if Shakur is even better than we think he is, and I'm already calling him a future pound-for-pound king, so how much better could he be? He may go out there and make this not competitive. And if he does, Luke... You're looking at the next big thing in our sport. I don't know if he ever gets there commercially. That's his own battle. But critically, you're looking at a special young fighter on the rise. This is the right test at the right time. And Luke, Jake Hager me all you want. I'm McGregor at the Mayweather weigh-in. I am rock hard with emotion about this fight. I have a phoner. And I think you should too, Luke. You should adopt my life principles and my teachings and get dialed in with your own fight erection and get ready for this on Saturday. It's weird that we're here talking about our mutual fighter erections. I don't know if that's good for business or not, you know? It's not like I said I have a fight erection for the other fight. Then we would have some HR issues. I think this is acceptable for me to speak like this on a fight this good, Luke, okay? All right, couple couple of questions. One, what has Eddie Reynoso done in terms of fighter development for Valdez? And two... Can you give us a sense? I mean, you're comparing him to Mayweather, but sort of in a sense. But Stevenson seems to be far more offensive. So from a style matchup, you indicated why it could get interesting. Can you drill down a little bit more and specifically speak to Reynoso's handiwork with Valdez? Okay, Reynoso has made Valdez better. There's no question. The Valdez at 126, while still an unbeaten champion, we started to see his ceiling. He went in there against Scott Quigg. It's a great fight. Revisit it. Valdez got his broad jo- jaw broken early and just fought through it. Luke, he was that's way too... That's fucking insane. I've seen it in MMA, but that's always insane. It's insane. I mean, he's tough as shit. And Luke, he gutted through and he won that fight. But I think at that point we were like, okay, we know who, who Oscar Valdez is. We know his ceiling. It's why he was such a big underdog coming into that Miguel Burchell fight, moving up in weight, known as a brawler who doesn't have monster power. I think what what um, Eddie Reynoso and Team Canelo has done is really help him sharpen his skills. Because Luke, he didn't go out there guns blazing recklessly to put away Burchell, but he was hurting him with, with, with controlled poise, you know, darting in and out with combat combinations and landing pinpoint sharp punches and yes Burchelt was weight drained event you know I mean he's had a problem making weight here despite his long reign and now Burchelt looks like he's on his way out of the sport to be fair he's going down the wrong road 
But Valdez is sharper than he's ever been, and it's brought back the boxer in him. Because, look, after that Quig fight, Valdez was openly considering, like, hey, man, I may have to change. I may have to become more of a boxer. And, by the way, he's got the amateur pedigree from from, uh, Nogales, Mexico, on the border there. He is absolutely legit. But he loves to brawl. He's a Mexican at heart, Luke. I mean, there's no shame there. But I think, you know, Reynoso and company has made him sharper. So it's not as if, you know, um, Shakur's going to come in there right off the start and commit surgery on him and just pick him apart. There's 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 potential for hairy moments, which is why you love this fight. But don't forget why I make that distinction between Pretty Boy Floyd in the lower weight classes and Mayweather money at Mayweather. welterweight. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he made big money at welterweight and beyond, but he was defensive, pot-shotting slickster. People forget younger Mayweather went after it. Even though he's a pure boxer at heart, combination punching, offensive surging. When he had somebody hurt, he got them out of there. Uh, Before his hand injuries, of course. There's a lot of that in young Shakur, even though he's not considered a puncher as well, Luke, because he's so damn sharp himself. So it's certainly going to be up to Valdez to offset what will be a a fairly firm hand and foot speed uh, disadvantage between the two of them. Because Shakur Stevenson is a 10 out of 10 in those areas. But, you know, can Valdez land big counter shots and and try to discipline Shakur because if he doesn't Luke that's where this long term could become a surgical dissection only again we don't have like evidence of Valdez succumbing to this he fought he's fought through everything is Shakur that Stevenson that great where he can create that divide that's what you want to see Luke but as it at its core Oscar Valdez is not the same boxer technically that that Shakur Stevenson is and he doesn't have the same speed even though he brings bigger power so Take all of those mathematical equations and figure out for yourself what you expect to see. Either way, um, it's either going to be the best showcase possible for Shakur or it's going to be a great fight. And, I, you know, either way, I'm going to be entertained. I can't wait. Now, let me use something Eddie Hearn said about that fight as a bridge between this main event and the one on DAZN. Eddie Hearn said something that I thought, you know, he's got his own fights to promote, but I don't know that he's wrong, which is... He was complimentary of the fight itself between Valdez and Stevenson. Eddie Hearn was like, yeah, it's a great fight. It's a legit fight. Those guys are awesome. But more people are talking about Katie Taylor versus Amanda Serrano. Do you agree, even though he is promoting Taylor versus Serrano, so of course he's going to say that, I don't, I don't know that he's wrong, BC. Is he right? It's tough to tell. So I did a, a, a really fun interview this morning, half hour, with, with, uh, with, with some great Irish blokes, Luke. And turns out they, they, they actually watch our show. So um, it was, you know, it was great to talk to them. And it, it, was, uh, it was Joseph Conroy. It was, it was off the ball. Oh, off, off, the, ball. off the balls. Yeah, those guys are awesome. Love those guys. Um, you know, and they were telling me that Taylor and Serrano showed up on the Today Show in Manhattan. I mean, yeah. that's pretty damn big, Luke. Yeah, so if you're... If you're looking at this from the lens of of what it is and and why we should put it up there, Taylor versus Serrano, one versus two pound for pound on the women's side, and because of that, because there's two all-time greats here in the same division at the same time, um, we're we're looking at legitimately the best women's fight of all time on paper. I'm not kidding. You know, Leila Ali versus who? Christy Martin? That was a draw. You know, there's been other matchups of great women, female fighters, but we don't have a long history of anything more than a few female fighters who were draws or like Ann Wolf who were destructive, but they didn't always face each other. There wasn't a large group of them. This is the fight that could kickstart a new era of women's boxing that is just, you know, getting it closer to how MMA treats women's fighters and in the in the parody there and the the you know the so is it bigger in that sense than Stevenson versus Valdez? For sure. 
But, you know, you ask the hardcore fans which one they're more excited about. I think you have to go to the, the, this top-ranked bout in Las Vegas on Saturday night. Yeah. That's saying that's right. nothing. And, and they're not equivalent, right? Like, one, on the one they're side, not. we're saying we're saying the women's side could be the very best women's boxing fight of all time. And certainly Valdez versus Stevenson is a very good main event, but no one is making a claim about its status among all-time no. male main events. So they're, they're not equivalent. They just happen to be taking place on the same weekend. I, w- I want to make one point to you, BC. I'll see what you think about it. I, I, I see you, just real quickly. You mentioned they were going to be in the Today Show. You know, Eddie Hearn is a capable promoter. We should maybe give Jake Paul a little bit of credit. Yes. Not just for blowing up Amanda Serrano's profile, which he is. I mean, no no critic could deny that he did that. He absolutely did. But, dude, he's kind of putting the full-court press on this fight as well. And I think it's getting a lot more attention than it otherwise would. Still would get a lot. But, honestly, his involvement, it, it, it is making a difference for the 100%. better. 100%. We should say it out loud. Look, Amanda Serrano, until Jake Paul came around, was almost, despite being the most decorated fighter in women's boxing history, titles in five divisions, Luke, you already know, she'd win a title at 118, she won a title as high as 140, and she would bounce around in the same calendar year because she wasn't getting the promotional opportunities, the money, or the exposure. Straight up. It's where women's boxing was. You know, her style's fun to watch. She can talk a little bit, but, like, it just wasn't connecting. There wasn't money in the game for female boxing, you know, really until... The Olympics kicked in uh, allowing female, and then you saw Clarissa Shields, two, two-time gold medalist, Katie Taylor becoming a global star. Um, they asked me this this morning on the show, and I thought it was a great question. It's like, you know, what are Jake Paul's true intentions here? He's using his huge audience. In fact, it's an audience, as we already know, which is not boxing, you know, not, really, not, not a boxing background, and he's giving light. I think it's the same thing with Jake when you ask the question about um, – what he's doing with UFC fighter pay and making that a front page story, whether his intentions to be this Robin Hood of boxing are, are pure and true or not just like whether his intentions to expose MMA fighter pay is more just to try to get those UFC guys in the ring with him or not. It's great. It's great for the sport. It's great for the fighters. Serrano was fighting on off TV undercards, Luke, you know what I'm saying? Like she was fighting wherever they'd have her. Now she's on co-main event pay-per-views with Jake making the biggest money of her career. And now she's going to headline Madison Square Garden in the main event this Saturday in the biggest women's fight in history in a fight that actually deserves all of this hyperbole we're talking about. Yeah, shout out to Jake Paul. Shout out to Eddie Hearn for, for from the beginning, making the pursuit of promoting Katie Taylor a, a, uh, a priority, to be fair. This fight, I mean, they on the Today Show, this fight freaking matters. That's great to see. Mm. But look, before we fully transition into there, one thing to close on the Stevenson fight. Um, part of why I can make that storyline that I'm, I don't know, is this, is this Shakur's coming out party on the level of Floyd versus Corrales? Because Luke, are you firm that you know exactly who Oscar Valdez is? And I say that because he blew away Burchell in such a jump out of his skin, jump through the TV set. Holy crap. Get up to that next level of elite. But dude, then he popped for the, for the, for the, you know, the tainted supplement and the tea. And then he had a very human performance amid all that stress against Kinsaisau. You got Shakur Stevenson in the pre-fight buildup saying, don't cheat this time. I think if it's you and me, Luke, we're like, hey, Oscar, if there was ever a time to drink the tea, drink it for this fight. <laughs> Do you think there's any sort of aberration in there that that maybe he was on the gear and that Valdez fight was the, I mean, the, the Burchell fight was the full bloom of that? I mean, was it just a bad night at the office against Kinsaisau? How do you gauge his stock coming into this very important? I, do I not recall distinctly, or maybe I don't, in fact, matter of factly, I don't, but I feel like I remember 
after Valdez beat Conceição, they put a microphone in his face and they asked him if all the outside pressure was getting to him because, dude, the boxing media was raining down on him for what were apparent or perceived misdeeds related to doping and perhaps other stuff as well. And I think he even admitted it did get to him. I think he admitted, like, ugh, this was, this was a lot. I had a lot going on. So I, I tend to think that that probably played a role. Also, Conceição had a good game plan early in that fight anyway. So there was there was a little bit of uh, both, but the thing about it is, it's like, dude. First of all, you know, if you believe that Valdez was on something for the Conceição South fight, I got news for you, that ain't the only fight. Again, if <laughs> he was on it for, probably if he was on it for the Conceição South fight, he's still on it now. And also, you can reap benefits even when you get off of PEDs for the transformation that it can cause long term. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of things you can you can sort of use to evaluate that. I, again, you know my view on this. I think that drugs are rampant in sports, and we all have this pretend ideology where we, we can clearly sort the good from the bad. You, you cannot. So the point I'll say is, if I was Stevenson's team, I would count on the guy who showed up against Burchelt, to be quite honest with you. But the point is, it doesn't really matter, dude. Burchelt and Stevenson, that doesn't matter. Burchelt and Stevenson, they don't fight alike. <laughs> they don't fight at all alike. And I feel like Stevenson is going to... Over time, if he if he can withstand any sort of offensive forward moving pressure from Valdez, is going to probably probably late eat him alive. Um, Do you? I just mean, not, just not the same kind of fight. I keep making these comparisons of fights. How about Floyd Canelo as a comparison? Because you know Valdez Ooh. is coming in with but Team Canelo, Canelo was drained. Canelo, was I know drained it was a fight. different circumstance, but look. The reason why the odds are close is because Valdez is great and this could be a great fight. I'm just giving you a potential scenario of Shakur. Either way, you have to watch this Saturday night ESPN. But, Luke, look, the women's fight is the bigger story. I mean, Luke, you've been covering both of these combat sports for a bunch of years as well. You remember when women's boxing was not only un, not televised, no one even freaking talked. If it was talked about, it was because, hey, remember when Christy Martin used to be on pay-per-views in the 90s because of Don King? Like, we didn't talk about that shit. Um, are you as just, like, joyfully surprised as I am that we're actually here? This is fight week, and this is going to be a main event at New York's Madison Square Garden. Like, not even the theater, Luke, the damn, right? The damn arena. I mean, like, yeah. Damn. It's great because, you know, I've had my complaints about women's boxing in part because it's mismanaged, which is not the fault of the women boxers, in part because, um, you know, they haven't been promoted as well as they should have been, which I think deters recruiting long term the kind of talent that could make women's boxing dynamic. I also think that the gloves are too big, but I'll say this, I'll say this as a general rule. These two are, if anything, the exception to that. They deserve where they're at. Frankly, they deserve a lot more than where they're at, to be quite candid with you. But I, I'm so delighted to see high-level women's boxing showcased in a way that I can guarantee for the fans entertainment and I can guarantee big stakes. You have two two fighters, one a little bit more so than the other, as high-volume output. Serrano is more high-volume. Both, by the way, in their own right, can be devastating punchers. I feel like Serrano is a fucking amazing body technician. And I would say that Katie Taylor of the two of them is a little bit more of the sharpshooter slash sniper of the two of them. A little bit more clever, I think I would say, over at Amanda Serrano. So you have a great fight on your hands. And BC, you know this as well as I do. Like, listen, Layla Ali was probably the first time a, a women's boxer came around. I was like, okay, this is like, this is, I'm not going to say on par with the men's game, but, you know, very, very respectable in all the ways you would respect a prize fighter. Um, who was the mismatch? Christy Martin. Dude, you know, we joke, like, okay, for example, Ovechkin is, like, killing it here in D.C., and he may catch Gretzky for all-time um, goals. Are you serious? Right? Is he that yeah, close? He might, he, he might. He might. He might. It's, it's, it's within the realm of possibility if he can stay healthy. So he could become the NHL's leading all-time goal scorer. 
What's kind of funny is if you listen to fans around here, they're totally wrong. But they'll say shit like, oh, yeah, Gretzky was playing farmers and plumbers. Ovechkin's playing real athletes. And you hear this from Jordan versus LeBron. Oh, Jordan played plumbers. But, dude, like, you look at some of the people that Christy Martin was boxing. Bro, she was boxing fucking plumbers and shit. I mean, that's just really what it was. Yeah, That's I mean, not what you have here at all. And I would also add, BC, we grew up in the era of, like, the Mia St. John's, where it was like, oh, here's this boxer who's also in Playboy. And that was kind of the connection that you made, which I'm not, like, hating on. I'm just pointing out Taylor and Serrano, whoever you like, motherfucker, they are all business. They are all business, all action. They want all the smoke, and they have done everything you could possibly ask of them as prize fighters to put themselves in this position, and this is the fight everybody wants. This is as legit as any male fight you would ever find. It is, it is I won't say perfect because no fight is, but there are so many good, legitimate sporting reasons to love this contest. Yes. It is not a sideshow. It is the show. It's for Taylor's all. Taylor is the undisputed champion at 135, so it's for all four of her titles. Serrano's held the title here in the past, I believe. I know she's the unified champion at 130. She's, like I said, held titles from 118 to 140 in five different weight classes. But, Luke, it's weird because I think that, you know, I've said it before. It's a fail to some degree that this fight is not the first official step up for women's boxing to move full-time into 12 rounds as opposed to 10, the smaller gloves you mentioned, and also three-minute rounds as opposed to two. There are some women's fights, depending on the sanctioning body, that that get that male treatment, or I don't even want to call it male treatment. I want to call it what it should be, normal treatment. This fight's not. I know there was a little bit of controversy because Serrano brought it up at the first press conference and Taylor's like, you know, you should have brought that up back when we were negotiating. I'm not changing that for you. And Luke, style-wise... I think it's smarter for Taylor to stick with the two-minute rounds. But that may just ramp up the excitement that we see because at their core, right, Taylor's like 20-0, but she only has six KOs. And to be fair, the reason why Clarissa Shields has barely any KOs, it's it's hard in two-minute rounds to get knockouts. It it robs the the top female fighters of of potentially getting that. But Taylor is, is sharp, but she's a pressure fighter. Combinations, constant movement in front of you. And even though Serrano can do it all, Luke, she's clearly the puncher. I mean, she's got 21 career knockouts. In two-minute rounds, dude, like, on top of this fight mattering, on top of this fight being the perfect extension of what allowing women in the Olympic Games have seen to done to the pro game by injecting it with, with legitimacy and, and, you know, all of that, this could also be a great freaking fight. Just like, to be fair, Katie Taylor's two fights with Delphine Pursuit were. Both were just 10 round wire to wire absolute wars. It's hard to imagine this fight not being that. It really mm. is, dude, because Taylor's relentless. And if Serrano looks to dig in and, and establish herself as the bigger puncher, we're, we're going to get some magic here, Luke. Some absolute. I mean, in that MSG, dude, come on. Come on, Luke. I, you know, get hyped for these ladies, dude. Wait, 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 here's the one warning to fans. You know, Serrano has some of the most volume I've ever seen a fighter have. She might actually have more volume than Taylor, which is why of the two, I said Taylor was a bit of a sharpshooter, relatively speaking. You're right about the style, but Serrano is just, you know, I mean, you know, 40 jabs around and shit like something, something, something crazy that she's attempting anyway. Some, some absurd numbers. So the point I'm trying to make is some of these rounds might be really hard to score. Really hard to score. I could see several rounds pass where you're like, 
could go either way. And it's going to be interesting to see if the Irish, I'm sure they will, but like how much the Irish show up versus how much the Puerto Ricans show up in New York. Yeah. If you don't yeah. know New York City, these are two of the biggest immigrant populations or you know, native at this point. But, you know, you get the idea. So the, the, some of the, 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 the demographics that they draw from two very spirited, rock ribbed fight communities. Boy, it's going to be insane in there. But I do think, man, unless someone really kind of not implodes, but one's going to have to really stick it to the other, because I think they're both so well suited with such volume and attack. It's gonna get. It's gonna be a little bit like who was it? Uh, not the same kind of fight because they're different body types. But do you remember how hard some of those rounds were to score for like Fulton Figueroa? You're like, I'm not sure yeah. who won that one. I really don't know. It's gonna be like. No, that. I, I'm with you. And then what's the best case scenario for the sport here that they fight a couple times? To be fair, and, it, and you know, and right. it, it should be at this level. But we'll see what happens. Uh, Storyline wise, though, couldn't get any better. And, and again, I, I give so much respect to Eddie Hearn, DAZN. Jake Paul, everyone involved in this to make this happen at this level. It's what they deserve. And you can't underestimate, Luke, what this fight could be for the future if it's great. I mean, look, dude, uh, I'm not, it's not apples to apples, but Cyborg versus Gina Carano really did a lot to kick the door down. And it, it's not apples to apples because women's boxing has a, a foothold right now in the boxing game, arguably the deepest foothold it's had ever. You want to talk about becoming legitimate, which is what women's MMA became after that cyborg uh, Carano fight through strike force with with home. I mean, with uh, with Rousey and Tate into the UFC and the expansion, dude, women's boxing deserves to be there. The problem is they don't have the depth division to division. You know, after the top four, five, six pound for pound, it, it gets it gets dropped off from there. But Fights like this could create new generations of, of, of fighters and fight fans to the women's game, and that's great. That's great. Luke, quickly, because I'm blown away by this Ovechkin news, and our intrepid producer, Mikey Mormile, is letting us know that Ovechkin currently is third all-time. He's 21 mm. goals away from second place. Which which he, he will pass that. He will pass and that. He's, he's 115. Over 50, he, has, hold on, he has over 50 goals in the season, so he'll, he, will, he will reach number okay. two no matter what. Here's why it's crazy, and I used to be a much bigger NHL fan. Now I'm a negative NHL fan, but except for if you're at somebody's house and they've got it on TV, and then it becomes awesome again, Luke. And maybe because, because of weed, too, it could be awesome again. But you get my point. Here's the deal. I'm guessing, I looked up Ovechkin, I'm like, okay, what is he? I know he's been around forever. What is he, like 42, 44? Dude, he's no. 36. And here's yeah. why this is crazy, dude. Because I watched the crap out of Gretzky in the 80s. Gretzky came in at a free-flowing time in the NHL. I mean, he scored like 92 freaking goals in like his third year, Luke. Like 92 goals, dude. Ovechkin came in, if, correct me if I'm wrong, during the, the left-wing lock era where the leader in goal scores for the season would be like 48, right? I know yeah. he's had a couple years of 60-plus goals, but he's only 36, dude. He may actually do this. Yeah, he might actually do it. And again, to be 36 and he has over 50 on the season. Now, he is out right now. He had a bit of, I think, a chest or a shoulder injury, so he's going to sit out until the playoffs start. But, you know, I don't know he only has the one cup and everyone's going to say what they're going to say. But, dude, you watch this motherfucker play. <laughs> he is a fucking refrigerator out there on skates, blinding people. And then his little spot off to the side when they're on the goal, he is just uh, just fucking he's a machine. There's, 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 there's a uh, there's a he had there's a quote that he gave one time and someone turned it into a local blog where they cover the, the capitals. Russian machine does. I think it's Russian machine. Don't break. Um you know, dude, he's a fucking Russian machine. He's unbelievable. I one time was in the Russia house years ago. This is years ago before the war and all this shit. It's like the, the, the aughts. And Ovechkin was there with, a, you know, with some dime piece around his arm. He still played 200 fewer games than Gretzky up to this point, Luke. 
Uh, Gretzky's uh, total point total, no one's touching that. Gretzky's total points, and by the way, any we're probably losing viewers at the bunches here. I know. I know. He, has, he has over 2,800 career points, Gretzky. Second is Yager with 1,900, Luke. That's insane, okay? Yeah, yeah. That's, he's not going to catch that. But the goals is be on the lookout. He, he, it might happen. All right. Let's talk about topic number two. This one was kind of interesting. We've all seen Volkanovsky make the media rounds. He stopped by Morning Combat, among a lot of other places. He did talk to TMZ. Folks are asking him what could be next, what might be next, what should be next. Now, we all know McGregor is coming back at some point, maybe July, maybe a little bit later, hard to say. But here's what Volkanovsky said about potentially facing McGregor. Of course, he wants that fight. He says, quote, the question comes up a lot. He's another champ in my division that I haven't taken out. I've taken out everyone else. So it makes sense on top of the circus and the money. I want to take out all the legends of this division. Conor McGregor held the belt in my division. I want that GOAT status. Take out all the champions. You're effing saying something. BC, I'm a little bit confused about all of this. One, is there any chance McGregor goes to 145? No. I certainly have to fight Volkanovski. Zero. And, Zero. And here's the other part about this, BC. This is why like, I don't understand this. I get Volkanovski calling this fight. I get, I get why anybody would want to fight McGregor. Fair enough. But if you're Team McGregor and you're looking at the list of most attractive options for what you want, comeback, doability, big money, blah, 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 wouldn't Volkanovski be at the bottom of the list, especially if you're at 155, where Volkanovski would beat him, but it wouldn't really mean the same thing because it's not at 140. I don't. I just don't understand. Let this, me clean the you up. Here, of this matchup. Let me let me act like you're barber here and clean you up. Although I'll charge you far less. Uh, here's the deal. He's <laughs> Volkanovski has teased in the past an eventual move to lightweight. He's talking about 155 here. He knows. We all know Connor's never making 45 again. That was a that was a different lifetime ago. But. Would Connor want this fight or should he want this fight? In theory, no. But you have to understand, Connor has a outsized opinion of his striking ability against the offensive output of others. He probably looks at Volkanovski as a smaller fighter who's a point fighter in his mind, right? You know, maybe not seeing the full facts here, who he could line up and knock out. Do I think this fight happens? No. But here's why I like this talk. I know not. I know not everyone's going to agree with me here. A couple points why. One, it's a brilliant move by Volkanovski, right? If he ever got this fight, the he becomes, you know, a, a next level pay per view star. Okay, like you get the rub from McGregor, it means a lot. <clears throat> Adding that name on his list, if he gets a victory there, would obviously mean a lot. But UFC is at such a critical crossroads with the idea of how much does McGregor left have left how many paydays do we have left in him how long can we keep this thing moving knowing that the more elite names we put him against the more likely he is to probably catch an l i've said for a while luke i think it's interesting the idea and it's not just mcgregor i've said this about old anderson silva i used to want conor mcgregor versus anderson silva after both showed interest in that i think the way you bridge that gap with connor's age Star power fading as his game is fading faster is by putting him in fights like this against smaller guys who want the smoke because it's a boom for whoever wins it. Meaning if the smaller guy wins it, that's like a, you know, that's a tent pole in their, in their career resume. And for the, and for the UFC, Luke, I don't think you would hold, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I don't think you hold these type of losses against either fighter when they sort of meet in the middle of weight. It's sort of a reach for both of them to make a fun, sort of random, attractive pay-per-view main event. Maybe 
I'm using Volkanovsky's interest to fuel my argument that if Cejudo really wants Connor and he's talking shit, find a way to meet him in the middle. It's a fun one. It's to me, Luke, it's no freaking different than putting a BMF belt on the line because Jorge versus Nate was such a great idea, right? Let's put him in MSG in the main event. Let's put a fake belt on the line. I like once in a while breaking the glass and doing these type of fun fights. I don't think it holds people back in terms of their wins and loss streaks and how critical we have to be. And if I'm a fan, which I am, don't you kind of want to see Connor against every big name possible because he's been such a unique sort of draw and offering in this sport's history? Whether it's Volkanovski or it's anyone else who wants to move up and meet him, whether it was Faber who almost became Connor's UFC 196 opponent when uh, when RDA pulled out. Don't you see any kind of value in this from a promotional slash entertainment standpoint? Or are you just like, no, no, no. Uh, you didn't make the case at all for why fans should like it. You made the case for why a promoter might want to make it. You, you did do that. You okay, did do the that. case is that it's interesting as shit, Luke. You're not interested. Here's the deal. I know we're all in our head going, oh, it's Volkanovski and, and McGregor's stock is plummeting. But Luke, when you meet in the middle at a higher weight, sometimes different things happen. Has has Volkanovski met with the type of first round one punch power that Connor can bring at lightweight? I don't know, Luke. I don't um, know. You, I, I'm just I would like to tell you you sold me on it, but you didn't. Like I, I just didn't hear much there to tell me that this is a fight that I need to see. Which isn't to say that if they made it, it wouldn't have value. Again, you you made a your your case for why the promotion could want to make it and what the value could be if they did to me is quite real and quite fair but i just don't know what like if i shop this to the fans and i had a, it's not just one fight so i've got mcgregor who could fight masvidal i've got mcgregor who could again we're all talking in theory in theory diaz for the third time or whatever i just don't know how you're going to convince any common fan to accept this one over any of the other more substantive alternatives with much bigger names okay here's just, an alternative i just don't, i just don't get it Here's an alternative. Connor going up to welterweight and fighting Usman for the history of the first attempt. Yes, at I mean, that, that fight is stupid, and we all hate too. That like, fight I, don't like that. I don't like that fight Kamar either. Tomorrow would fuck him up. You got a smaller yes. guy moving up, Luke. I know maybe Volkanovski isn't the perfect choice for this argument because his pay-per-view brand is, is like, decent but not great, right? He's still kind of trying to make that in his 30s. He's trying to become the biggest star he can. This would be a way to do that. But you're telling me you're not intrigued by the idea of what would that fight look like? No, I think, but also, I've been, maybe this colors my opinion, so this is part of it. I think Volkanovsky beats him without, I'm not going to say a whole lot of trouble, but like, I, do, I would absolutely not bet on McGregor to win that contest. No, no, no chance. Okay, maybe no chance here's a more important question. And, and again, whether it's Volkanovsky or anyone else small or moving up for a fun sort of crossroads fight like this, um, do you think it would, how, like, how much of a loss would it be if McGregor goes in there against, Cejudo and gets outpointed in a fun fight. Volkanovski and gets submitted. Is that a monster? I mean, I think that I'm trying to make the case that that's less damaging than making him versus Jorge and if he gets knocked out, right? Or making him versus any ranked lightweight and he gets beat. See, I, it, it's complicated too because to answer that question, if let's let's say let's imagine a scenario. I mean, by the way, you know. Connor could go in there, put one straight left on him, and close the show. But that, this is what you have to ask, ask yourself if you're Connor. You go in there and you beat Volkanovsky, who the casual fan does not know. We all know who he is, but the casual fan does not know. What does it get you? It doesn't get you shit, right? But you go in there and you lose to that guy, dude. <laughs> you are you have I won't say ruined the brand, but you have done some fucking damage to it. 
Now, I again, disagree it, on both cases. Both oh, really? cases, Luke. You, you, Jose, you think, Jose, you hold on, hold on. Let, me, let, me, let me ask. Let me, let, me, let me pitch the question back to you, and then you answer it. You think that if you're Team McGregor, you look at this scenario and you say, of all the possibilities, beating Volkanovsky materially does us the biggest benefit. Are you there? No, no I'm not okay. there. I'm not okay. there, okay? Uh, but for you to say that Volkanovsky gets nothing from this is, is no, completely no, no, no. wrong No, no, no. Volkanovsky gets plenty from it. Connor winning gets nothing. I disagree on that. I think because of Connor's stance, I think he can pin it as, oh, I, I think I'm the greatest featherweight of all time. But okay, the current featherweight king who thinks he's great is going to move up and fight me. It would be the same thing if he fought Holloway at lightweight, in my opinion, Luke, in a rematch. It'd be like, you know, one of the all-time greats wants to move up and meet me. I showed you what I can do. You could argue with the crit, you know, with the critics care about it. I don't know. I, I still think that's a great win for Connor. It's not that Volkanovski be moving up, you know, four weight classes here, okay? But you just said um, the damage if Volkanovski lost to Connor. I don't think there's a ton of damage there, Luke. It would no, revive both ways. Maybe I misspoke, but both ways it's I'm talking of, about Connor. Both ways. If he wins. Again, you and I might be like, holy shit, dude, he beat Volkanovski even at 155? Like, that's impressive. I don't know if the casual fans would see it that way. And number two... Dude, if, they won. He's undefeated. He's virtually... He's undefeated in the UFC. He's virtually yes. undefeated, meaning Volkanovski. That dude, would revive Connor's casual brand, fan interest is star power and almost star power alone, of which Volkanovski has very little. That's the only thing he lacks in the fight game, okay. quite honestly. He has such a complete game. He's so super smart. He has a great team. He has a country behind him. I get all that. Dude, I get all that. What I'm trying to say is if you're McGregor and you're weighing your options, especially longevity, why would you risk it against a guy who beating for the casual audience? Which, again, I'm going to go back and say, you and I and the people listening might be like, well, who gives a fuck about them? I don't give a fuck about them. But they are the biggest portion of the audience. They are much greater in number than we are. If you lose to a guy like that, I don't, I don't think it sends a great message. And if you beat him, I, I just don't understand what the fan base who doesn't know who this guy is or how good he is why they're supposed to react with great acclaim. To me, you well, get much more out of beating somebody else who might have much more visibility to the, the largest portion the of the great acclaim members. is that if you're a casual fan who doesn't know how great Volkanovski is and you watch him beat the guy that you know, that's then he becomes a star on that level in theory. Now, look, just, just for the record, I'm not sitting here trying to argue that this fight needs to happen or would be top 10 in Connor's choices. I'm just saying a way to extend Connor's brand as a viable pay-per-view main event if they decided to say okay why are we going to feed him to Usman why are we even going to feed him to to Oliveira right what if we just did fun matchups like this again Volkanovski might not be the guy but what if somebody else was what if look you're telling me you wouldn't freaking care about Henry Cejudo versus Conor McGregor at 151 pounds you tell me you wouldn't care about that at all get this, the is, a hell very, out of this here. is a very boxing thing you're trying here it's like yeah, rather than giving I'm the fights that people yeah. want, let's go and manipulate this little thing and let's give There's... horse hair gloves instead of regular padding. I was like, dude, no, no, no. just give them dude, the Diaz fight. The, I agree with that. The Usman fight is fucking stupid, but the Masvidal fight potentially or something along those lines, something someone who has a who is a a worthy B side in terms of raising the level of. Uh, potential pay-per-view buys. I think that's the only direction Connor's looking. Dude, if Volkanov if Volkanovsky Connor goes in there and dismantles him, which could be very possible, it would just be a terrible outcome for a lot of different folks, except for Volkanovsky. Or except for the UFC if they felt he had long-term potential to become something. But, Luke, quickly, um, if you're going to make Connor against Jorge or Nate 3 or any of those, to me it's the same idea. You're either a title contender or you're not. 
But if you are not and you are still a brand, we typically say, okay, what other washy name can we put you against? Why not try to close that gap a little of the declining star? Just like I wouldn't want it now, but a year and a half ago, Connor comeback fight against Frankie Edder could have been fun, right? Luke, that's in, that's in that same category to me. It made okay, Conor you. McGregor versus Frankie Edgar made sense at UFC 200 when Conor was there watching Aldo and and uh, and Edgar go at it. But now, I mean, not not that you're saying it not now. now. Like, okay, how about when he came back against Cowboy? If that was Frankie Edgar, Luke, that would have been a bigger deal. Maybe, maybe I can't say for certain, but maybe. Okay. But I don't think there'd be a huge difference. Yeah, okay, like it'd be thank, like a monster thank you. Difference. Thank you for hearing that. my TED talk. We'll go back to the rankings and number one fights. Uh, I do have some breaking news. I do have some breaking news. If you'd like to weigh in it very quickly, BC one championship, according to ESPN's Mark Ramundi, has signed a multi-year U.S. and Canada broadcast rights deal with Amazon Prime. The promotion will announce Wednesday. The agreement calls for twelve live one cards to air on Prime Video annually. Your reaction? Twelve cards. So once a month, we're getting a, a month. live, a live one championship fight on Amazon Prime. As a Prime subscriber, this is great for me. I don't know what it will actually do for ones. One is one's got a bit of an issue because they, again, I go back to it. The people who run that organization, you couldn't trust a single thing that they say ever in their lives. But the product that they put out does have a lot of redeeming aspects, um, and they're trying to break into the U.S. market. And they tried with that. That the Bleacher Report app thing that went fucking nowhere. They had a couple shows on TNT that just didn't hit the mark. Certainly, it's a boon for Amazon. And as a Prime subscriber, I actually like it. I'll watch it. I just don't know if this is the kind of market penetration that they're looking for. Well, you could argue did they did they try for bigger networks and and you know and more terrestrial TV networks, and this is what they settled for, or are they looking to the future, which we're already in the future of streaming. It already is now. The future is now. And they went with a big player, probably for decent money. I mean, it's it's just look. Either way, they need to be available in the U.S. live at a at a click's notice. This gets them there, so that's cool. But Luke, to, to mend the fence, to mend the fences in that gap between you and one management and the lack of trust, which you know, <laughs> can't say I don't don't disagree with you here. But Luke, what if Chatri came back with season two of The Apprentice One Championship Edition? And he offered you a spot in the reality show, Luke. And you went representing MK, bro. Unlike the Joe Rogan show, right? You went representing MK. Would you do that for us, Luke? Would you do it? I'd rather get shot in the face with liquid Ebola than go on that show. Dude, you could visit Singapore, bro. Come on. You and Singapore's GSP, cool. Yeah, Singapore's cool. But like, I'd rather go under you know different circumstances. Okay. All right. You're uh, like, let's I, you're like I'd, I'd rather go see out the sex trade business, right? That's what you do. <laughs> Okay, that's where your head is at. I was actually just looking to see monuments and shit, but all right. Uh, let's <laughs> yeah. talk about this. Aljamain Sterling, who is he going to fight? This is actually a bit of a broader conversation because there's also this like, do, BC, do you remember that brief Twitter push called the rally for Mark Hunt to get him a title shot by people just hashtagging it? Thinking, like, no. the, again, people who think that like hashtagging shit equals activism, it doesn't. But the point I'm trying to make is you're seeing something a little similar with trying to get Aldo a title shot, although his case is a little bit stronger. Here's the only point, though. Sterling and Cejudo have gone back and forth on social media. Uh, Cejudo tweeted, I'm coming back for these tomato cans, and I'm going to right the wrong Aljo lame. That's not funny. 
you the number one contender, bitch. Aljo responds, if he wants to lose one of those C's, I'll gladly demote him. Let me know when you're serious, champ. (laughs) Wink emoji. BC, of all the possibilities, you've got uh, Aldo. You've got Cejudo. You've got uh, TJ Dillashaw. Give me who should be Sterling's next opponent and give it to me based on all the criteria. Get the fans interested. Actually means something. You could do something with it. Who's the best choice? TJ Dillashaw, former champion, didn't lose his belt, dealt with USADA and injury, got sent to hell by Cejudo in a different weight class, but he's back. Looked really good in that comeback victory there um, against Corey Sanhagen, Luke. Yeah, this is the fight to make, and I and I'm ready for Cejudo to come back. I'm glad he re-entered the pool. I think there are, there is a number of fun potential big matchups for his for him to use his name in sort of his critical pound for pound standing, despite being out of the sport for a while. I liked the idea of the past of Volkanovski. I could see why Dana didn't. If Cejudo wants to get in line, I'm okay with that. If you told me Aljo's going to fight Dillashaw next. And then the winner fights Cejudo. Look, I'm going to be sitting here. How would you not? How could you be a fan and not get excited about Henry Cejudo announcing himself back into the mix for the title in the sports deepest division? Right? It's a win for all of us, um, but not next. It's it, I, Luke again. I know TJ just did an interview with Brett, and I, I caught parts of it. Did he did he update his timeline on a comeback yet? Because that affects my my uh, um, my analysis here. I did not. I, s- I don't know. I did not see that either. So I can't okay. say I apologize. Provided TJ's healthy. That's the fight to make Luke. And Oh, by the way, dude, and, and look, again, this is going to sound like once again, the media shitting on Aljo. How many more of these shocking performances do we need from him to wake up? But imagine if TJ won the belt back and then fought Henry Cejudo. That'd get me out of my chair, Luke. Okay. All right. That'd be big. Or I gotta say this: What if Sterling goes in there and just chokes out T.J. Dillashaw from the back, which because we know he's got ridiculous back control and he's an insanely strong grappler, dude? That would set up a big fight too. I know what you mean. Dillashaw beating Sterling and then fighting Cejudo would be bigger because he'd be the rematch and blah blah blah. Fair enough. I mean, of all the reasons, you're absolutely right. I just got to point out: Sterling winning is hardly some travesty either. At this point, fans are slowly coming around on him. They're starting to really realize he's pretty good, um, more than pretty good. He's great. Luke, let and- me ask you something. If Let you'll, me ask if you you'll allow me to, to slide in your DMs here, I know Davala Shilly at six is coming on, but Jose Aldo's in a prime spot right now. What if the UFC says, hey, Henry, hey, hey, cringe, nobody calls their, their number around here, right? Nobody calls their shots unless you're Connor or Brock or Ronda or Darren Till or Hamza. See, but no, but nobody calls their shots, Luke, okay? Um, what if we did. Henry Cejudo versus Jose Aldo in a number one contender's bout. I mean, give, uh, uh, just take all my money. Take yeah, all my money. Yes. Money. And, and, and McGregor's the referee. No, just kidding. Yes, Luke. <laughs> yes, yes. Dude, I, dude, that fight would be absolutely fucking awesome. That would be incredible. And, and for Cejudo, you know, you want to come back? You want to be in this bantamweight division? Obviously, we know he was the king of it when he left, but... But that fight would be as legitimate a win as any other one he has in this on this fucking bantamweight resume. In, f- in fact, it might be his best bantamweight win to date if he actually got that one in terms of quality of opposition. I need to go back and review his resume, but that it would be on par with one of his better wins anyway. So yeah, dude. I'd be, and then plus Aldo, you would imagine could actually beat 
damn, like the, the super competitive fight. I love That'd be it. Great. Is that could could that be a pay per view main event without having to put an interim title on it just to try to make Ooh. it acceptable for it to be one? Ooh, see, or would it have tough. to be a pay per view co main? Okay, at a bare minimum, if they made it, it would have to be five rounds. Bare minimum. Yes. I don't know if you could. Mm, I don't think you could do it without a belt. I really don't. And I don't think it could be the main event either. But that's that's about as good as a co-main event ever gets. That Give me Bantamweight sex, please. I need it all, Luke. Luke, are you more excited about Canelo sending Ali Abdelaziz to hell on Twitter in a Canelo, I'm sorry, a Connor versus Jeremy Stevens-like way? Or are you more excited about Ioana saying, give me five rounds for this Whaley rematch? You want me to go all five? I'll go all five. Um, I worry about her, to be honest. And I mean that sincerely, dude. Like, that lap... Dude, she got turned into a different color person when that fight was over and all the swelling went down. That was a real bad situation. She's taking time off, so that's about the best thing you could do. But I just wonder... I, I, I You know, listen, we'll, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. My only point being is she gave, I thought, everything she had in that fight. And... I wonder. I just wonder what she's going to look like afterwards in terms of what she can do in terms of taking punishment and everything else. Five rounds does scare me a little bit for her, candidly. A little bit. Doesn't it scare you? No? Yeah. I think this fight should be three rounds, which it is scheduled at right now, and I think they should just let them savagely fight each other until the, one of them falls, Luke. It's going to be great. Yeah, really I agree. Great. I mean, I know I, I, I appreciate her toughness. I appreciate her willingness to, like, gas pedal to the floor with what time she has left, but... I also understand the UFC being like, uh, let's see how you do with three rounds first. Also, this opponent is a tough as shit, so let's let's worry about that at a different time. All I'm right. really excited about combat sports right now, Luke. This is great. You got a boner. The question is, do you have pants on? All right. Yes, yes. Uh, by the way, I don't know what Mikey Mormel is saying there. You can read that for me. All right, we go to now PFL, BC. PFL, God, they had the worst names for this. PFL 22 number two regular season. That's the name of this fucking event, but okay. It's a it's a pretty decent card. On it, you got Bruno Capeloza, who is just an absolute force, taking on Stuart Austin. Co-main event, I like a lot. Brendan Lachnan taking on uh, Ryoji Kudo. And then you have a couple of other decent ones along the way. Lance Palmer taking on Chris Wade is a big one. Also, Bubba Jenkins taking on Kyle Bokniak. You see, I won't belabor the point here. What on this card, other than what I've mentioned, or perhaps that stands out to you the most? Yeah, I mean, it's I, I don't like this card as much as some of the others, but I do love me some Bruno Capeloza from Brazil. I followed his entire run to the PFL heavyweight title last year, and Luke, each fight, I think he showed me more and more in terms of how legit he is, from his toughness to his gas tank to his ability to strike. I mean, Luke, I'm I knew nothing about him, this guy, before last season. And now I'm wondering, like, is he a rising heavyweight on the global scene and not just the PFL scene? He looked that good last year. So I know Dick Squat about Stuart Austin, but you know, I'll, I'll, I'll when is that tonight? This card? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's tonight or something. Let me look that up. It is. If only we had you. a cage that would that was smart enough to tell us when the fight was, Luke. That'd be great. It's tomorrow. It's tomorrow. Tomorrow. Okay. So, okay. so the weigh-ins I, will be today. I don't hate their weeknight. Uh, way of doing things and you know yeah you got a good mix Lance Palmer had a bad season last year Luke after being a champion I want to see him turn it around Dennis Goitsov made a nice run in the heavyweight uh, bracket last year before coming up short but you're going to put Bubba Jenkins and Shaman Marais on this prelim card Luke and Boston Salmon wow Luke I may I may tune into this 
Uh, Boston Salmon's on the card. Yeah, but here the one that stands out to me is uh, Ryoji Kudo taking on Brendan Lockton. Brendan Lockton was the one who went for the takedown on Contender Series and famously was cut for it. Um, Kudo, a good guy, I think out of Shuto, Japan. And then uh, Bubba Jenkins, man, I thought he was kind of left for dead on the side of the road, and, and metaphorically speaking, and he did lose to Chris Wade in his last fight. But he had a decent run in PFL, beating both Lance Palmer and Bobby Moffitt. Here he takes on all-action Kyle Bokniak. you got to love that one. Shaman Marais, as you indicated, is also on this card. There's a few spot clips in Abreu is pretty decent. Um, there's a few fights on this card that are respectable, but there's nothing that's really like amazing crown jewel type. It's just a few fights that are respectable. Luke, Mr. and Mrs. Salmon were pretty bold in naming their son after a city. I know that you love Washington, D.C. more than anything, and that's why you've got that that ink on you. But you can't, like, you you wouldn't want, you know, your parents have named you Washington. So if you had to be named after a city, Luke, which one would you have picked? Paradise City. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. Well, well, the grass is green, Luke, and the girls are, you know, they're pretty. They're pretty. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, all right, let's do right, some right. let's do some quick hitters here very quickly, BC. Your reaction, Ben Rothwell, I think it was on MMA Hour, he announced this. He has signed with BKFC. You like it, you hate it. Yeah, I mean, look, although they've made some nice changes and being acquired by Triller, by the way, I'm interested to see if that does anything to be a KFC's product and outreach. But Luke, truth or not truth, it's still the last stop on the on the combat sports food chain it's you know what i mean it's it's uh it's south of the border on the i-95 drive down to florida luke you know you can get some shitty uh trinkets and some gross food and a night's sleep but uh yeah i I guess you know i don't i mean he's more he's a handsy heavyweight but he's also a a a ground guy so i don't know how this is going to work luke he's a big old hairy lug though so good i know everyone's like oh this is great for what rothwell style and that's true i think it can be but remember he stopped Josh Barnett with a what ten finger guillotine like he's got real skills on the mat as well. Um, I'll just say I hope. Listen, a guy's trying out there make money with what he has built in his career. I remember when he was the the IFL champion and he was fighting Roy Nelson for their belt. I remember all that very distinctly. He's been in the game a long time and he's entitled to if he's still got a name to get some big checks. But like candidly, do I worry about his? Uh, and, and and all these guys who have these long careers and they finish off in BKFC, do I worry about their brain health? Yes, I do. I worry about their brain health yes. and what kind of um, you know injury that they have sustained because we just don't know a lot about how to, to detect. We don't have hardly any measurement at all to detect CTE in anybody who's alive. So, you know, I, he's his own man. We should create a CTE breathalyzer, which all fighters have to take on their way into the ring or octagon, and the number is put up over the big screen, that seems a little bit much, but yeah. I mean, you could having... probably do a back room. Yeah, you're right. You could probably do a back room with the doctor where no one finds out, you know, unless your number's too high and then we force you to retire and then you end up, you know, boxing over the border or something. I mean, look, the look, the end game of combat sports is primarily sad. <laughs> That's why we try to focus on the early and mid game. Yes, thank you. All right. Scott Coker, BC, the, the president of Bellator, says he might be open to open scoring for Bellator events. Where are you on open scoring? And I'll tell you, I have to say this. I'm not the biggest proponent of open scoring. I don't hate it. I don't love it. I think both sides make a lot of claims about what it will do for MMA or what what its value is, and all of it's pretty questionable. But I will say, if you are Bellator, 
doing something a little bit different than UFC, even if it's open scoring, which let's be clear about this, that would have to be the commission doing that. Bellator couldn't force them to do it. They could ask the commission to do it, and the commission could then agree. But let's assume that they got that in play. Would it be enough of a product differentiation to create a little separation from themselves and UFC? Probably a little bit, but to me it would only be acknowledging like hardcore fan demand I don't know what it would really mean other than... I know. It's like we're trying different. to put it in there to curb bad decisions, right? And, and sort of so tell somebody... Let me, let me actually back up a step on that because you're raising something interesting. There are two schools of thought on open scoring. One is that you need it to fix bad judging or at least, you know, there were some fights that would be bad and then folk, the fighters would get better information and you could avoid the kind of bad outcome that sometimes happens with judging. That's one argument that it would in some ways meaningfully improve outcomes away from bad judging. The other argument though, is that it has nothing to do with judging. It is something that however fighters are owed. It's not about fixing any problem. It's about, it's about giving fighters information that they should actually have as a matter of principle. So it's two different schools of thought there. Okay. I disagree. And it's, and it's selfish and it's from a fan point of view, but here's the deal. The suspense of not knowing who won in any combat sport. The look, the combat sports are set up, right? There used to not be a limit on rounds in boxing, right? Like a hundred years ago, they were set up to where you go in there and whoever gets the knockout wins. Okay. That was a little inhumane when we're boxing 40 rounds with minimally pad gloves and you got two tough guys. So you, you began to get an evolution in what you're putting in rounds and breaks and commissions and all that. To me though, the, the heart of the matter is still you go in there in boxing or MMA to get the finish. If you don't, you leave it in the subject subjective hands of who that state's commission hired for that fight. As a fan, I still love the suspense of not knowing along with the fighters and everybody else who won until the moment in the, any type of argument of, well, what about a fighter who is really down on the cards, but they think they're up. Shouldn't they know they have to fight harder? I mean, look, here's a wake up call. UFC already has win bonuses and that built into the contract in finish bonuses to try to amp up this. I would not want the flip side of it, which is fighter A has a bigger lead than they thought, so they just play it safe the rest of the way and take a guy down or whatever. No, I don't want that. I'd rather play off of not actually knowing and in, in every fighter knowing that you, you never can rest on your laurels. You always have to keep going. And, and I think from a viewing experience at the end of the day, I would favor that. In terms of fighters' rights, should they know? I mean, they've never really known before. Would I be against any promotion going for the, you know, we want this as our identity to try this out? Sure, try it out. Maybe I'll, maybe in the long run, Luke, I'll be a fan that comes around and goes, no, it's better this way. But I kind of need to be shown that it's better that way. So if Bellator wants to be the one that does it, then we'll see the pluses and minuses and we'll add it up as it happens. But if you're asking me as a fan, no, I, I want the suspense. All right, um, Francis, I, I was, and, Francis, I Francis Ngannou. Francis Ngannou. Francis Ngannou says that he will only sign with the UFC if and only if it's a it's a non-starter. It's an absolute must, no negotiation otherwise. If the Fury fight is in the contract, does the UFC bend or not? It's a loaded question, Luke. It's a real loaded question. I think they tell him to pound sand. People think that the UFC wants this money. Dude, they're fucking drowning in money. Yeah. I don't think, I think that they right. care at all. And we do have to remember that argument we made last show. Uh, as much as I love Francis's upside and think at heavyweight he could do this for a while, 
He is 35 coming off a serious knee injury. Is that the guy that you're going to make concessions to knowing that you're going to open the door to more of this? Or do you want to hold firm and say, no, when you're under contract to us, until you unionize and make us change it, we get to decide if you're going to do that other shit on the side that's going to get in the way and bring you more money and attention. I Unless, love, I, I, but I think I'll say this. I think Francis is right to to put this the way he's putting oh, he's it, smart. even if it's not serious and it's just a he's leveraging smart. point. It's super smart. Like we'll, we'll we'll start this conversation when you realize you're going to pay me. You're going to pay me one way or the other. The other sort of school of thought, though, there BC is, you know, UFC could like not pay as much on the fight end and then let him have the Tyson Fury fight, collect some of that, and so he would get uh, um, he would get more in the end than he ordinarily would with a fight contract. But he wouldn't. They, UFC wouldn't be on the hook for paying it as much because he would just get a huge financial windfall from the potential Tyson Fury boxing fight. There's that. There's that option as well. I agree with you. And you said something very poignant on Monday, which which was about when I brought up Disney. And if you think about it, who does Dana White actually answer to, Luke? Who does number two work for, right, Luke? He still answers, I guess, to his bosses at Endeavor and certainly to Disney slash ESPN. Because Luke, what is the percentage? that their annual TV contract means to their, to, to the overall UFC. Like it's what, it's gotta be like 75%, right? I mean, they're not actually, it's a little bit less, but pretty close. I mean, if you just do the math, they, they made over a billion last year and I think in revenue, but in, uh, yes, that's right. In revenue and 750 million of it comes from the ESPN deal annually. So, that's still a boss he has to respect unless Disney is coming down the pipe and saying, do you realize how we can market this baddest man on the planet un, you know, unbeaten boxing champion against battle tested MMA champion. The rules are, are split. We're going to find the middle ground unless they are making that campaign. Then no chance in hell, Luke. And maybe Fair I'm enough. over, maybe I'm even over estimating the control Disney would have in even that scenario. Can they get Dana out of Tai Chi Palace with a with a commission saying no? Apparently they can, Luke, but that may be as far as they can go. Uh, BC, Dan Hardy, uh, who is going to be having a boxing match with Diego Sanchez no. on the undercard no. of the, no. who is it, Ricky Hatton, and who does he have the exhibition against? Is Marco Antonio Barrera. Barrera, yeah, it's Barrera. No, uh, no. But here's the key. Dan Hardy says he's making more for boxing Diego than he made in all of his UFC paychecks combined. Are you serious, dude? Yeah. Good. Which is which more. by the way is like entirely believable. Like there's okay. no no part about that that is surprising at all. Do I like this for Dan Hardy? If it's about well, What about money the locker room bonuses everybody? Yeah, what yeah. about them? Well, bring John Nash in here and I'll really tell you about them. But Luke, um is it about <laughs> if it's about Dan Hardy, you know, buying that vacation home, having having the money to do it after a long, you know, a, a career spent at a high level before he walked away? Okay. Go do it at your risk. I love you Dan Hardy by the way fantastic analyst and, and personality and he likes very beautiful women Luke um I don't want Diego Sanchez a part of this though I mean come on I mean how many more times how many more yeah. Eagle FCs BKFCs how many more times are we going to sanction Diego Sanchez have we not seen enough to know we've seen too much do we not love this man enough to make him stop the only place Diego Sanchez should be fighting and you can laugh at this or turn your face at this is the parking lot of the lava shack, and even then, Luke, he shouldn't be fighting there. But that's you want to talk about the last stop on on the on the combat food chain drive? I thought it was BKFC. No, it's the fucking lava shack. I, unless he's fighting there, Luke, because he's got issues. Stop the madness, okay? In fact, yeah, I, Luke, to save I'll, I'll this, Diego's if, if, if Diego brain, I think you should box Hardy. 
Okay? No, fuck that. Dude, I'm old and pathetic, and I'm not a boxer, and no. Jesus, no. Um, but I'll say this, dude. I do worry about all the... I mean, I don't want to ever deny a guy a payday, but, like, you know, just candidly, candidly speaking, do I worry about all the damage Diego has taken? I don't think people really recognize how much of it there is. There's a shit ton that he's absorbed. Uh, you know, and I don't know if he saved his money. I, don't, I, I doubt that he has. So I, uh, it's just a tough situation. It's a really tough hey, situation. Hey, look, our producer, Mikey, wants us to consider on open scoring. What if we showed just one of the judges' scores to the fighters? And I want to add, what if we showed the scores to only the fighters? Is there any sort of middle ground on open scoring that could work? But the thing is, like, dude, if you're going to do open scoring, then just do it. Right, this whole shit, like, oh, well, I mean, I understand the point of the question, which I think is a fair one, but I just mean to answer it in this way, which is, you know, oh, we're going to trickle out a little bit of information. What does that, that, that you're, you're giving me more incomplete information. It doesn't really tell me a whole lot, especially if, like, one judge has it 3027 one way, another one has it 3027 the other way. It, 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 it doesn't really provide a very meaningful experience. What you have to see is what the judges are saying. What have they, what have they assessed to this point? So either you're going to do that or you're not going to do this. The sort of sleight of hand where you go halfway, I don't know. It doesn't really work for me. It doesn't really work for me. Uh, and then last but not least, Paul Daly is going to fight uh, someone named Wendell Giacomo at Bellator 281. So there you go. You care? All right. Well, there's that, Luke. All right. Time for, uh, I guess we're doing what, trivia now? So I just want to say, I told you over text this morning, dude, do you have any idea how excited I was when I woke up to seeing Chuck D of Public Enemy following me on Twitter? I mean, like, look, it was fucking like, you know, full, full circle, full bloom, 12 year old me with the with the cassette deck just going fired up until I realized he follows 97,000 people, Luke, which means he probably didn't even follow me. It was probably some publicist, right? I did have uh, Nick Diaz follow me on Instagram this morning. It's I did see bad. that. That's not bad. Uh, now he All follows right, he follows four thousand people on Instagram, so it's not that exclusive a club. But it is. Well, that could mean he actually wanted to follow you and wants your, uh, or maybe wants to fight you, Luke. That could be cool too. Here we go, mm-hmm. Luke. Uh, every Wednesday we waste time in the second half of the show, usually around a segment built upon getting Luke to answer questions he doesn't want to. This week we call it truth or trivia. All right, truth or trivia. This is going to be terrible. I have a feeling. All right, folks, here's the premise. I have five personal questions that Luke will not want to answer publicly. In order to avoid those, each question is preceded by a trivia question. It's simple, Luke. Get the trivia question right. Avoid the personal one. Here we go, number one. You vaping piece of shit. Stipe Miocic, Luke, is widely considered the most decorated heavyweight in UFC history, thanks in large part to his total number of title defenses and victories. In fact, Stipe leads all UFC heavyweights with the most victories in title bouts with six. Two other UFC heavyweights have won at least five different title bouts in the octagon. Name them. The only heavyweights with at least five wins in title bouts. Stipe has six. He's in first place. Who is tied for second with five each? And they put a 30-second clock on the screen. Damn. Okay, well, one is, one of these is easy. One is Randy Couture. That one's Correct. very easy. Ooh, that second one is tough. Well, you just think about who the champions were. Oh, fuck balls. I'm gonna I'll give you I'll give you a bonus 20 seconds here, okay, after this this buzzer hits. Okay, so it's not Lesnar. 
It's not Josh Barnett. It's not Rico Rodriguez. Tim Sylvia. Tim oh, Sylvia. you got it, Luke. Correct. Tim yeah. Sylvia. Uh, a multi-time champion, five overall. Well done, Luke. I thought you were going to say Kane. I thought I got you there. No. Okay. How many did he have? How many? Because he had a bunch of losses in title fights, too. Right, but he, he had- be- how you get ahead in this category of most wins in title fights is by losing your title and coming back, Luke. Right. right. That's right. Or, or Now, were you counting for Couture? Were you counting so, any of his light heavyweight wins? Because those are also title fight wins, and he no. also was a heavyweight. Just I got this from the UFC record page, which they update themselves, and I hit the menu to click heavyweights only. Okay, Luke? Okay, all right. There you go. Well, wow, you avoided a very personal question there. Here we go. Sweet. Number two, Luke. Despite other UFC pay-per-view cards producing more total buys, including a larger attendance and a larger live gate, most MMA fans will look back the fondest at 2009's UFC 100 card, an early celebration of where the fight promotion became. It emanated from Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas. It produced 1.6 million pay-per-view buys. Most people call it the greatest, grandest show in the promotion's 29-year history. Luke, you already know Brock Lesnar, Frank Mir 2 was your main event for the Undisputed Heavyweight title. There were four other victorious fighters, though, on the pay-per-view main card beyond Lesnar. And here's your hint. Two of them were welterweights. Two of them were middleweights. Who are the four victorious UFC 100 main card fighters? So I can name two more easily. One is Dan Henderson. One is St. Pierre, right? Yes. Who did, who did they beat just for shits, Luke? Henderson beat Bisping. St. Pierre beat Tiago Alves. Yes. All right. So I have one more welterweight and I have one more middleweight, you said, right? Yes, I did. Is John Fitch one of the other welterweights? Correct. He defeated Paulo Tiago, Luke. Yes. And there's a middleweight, huh? Yep. He was... Yeah, yeah. I give you enough hints. F you. Okay, uh, hold on. There's another middleweight on that card. 14 seconds, Luke. Oh, fuck. 2009. Who was it? I'm just going to say... I I don't think it was, but... No, it couldn't have been Anderson Silva. Uh, Was it Demi and Maya? I don't know. Incorrect, Luke. It was a UFC debuting Yoshihiro Akiyama... Who uh, defeated Alan Belcher in a close oh, decision. Oh, that was actually a good fight, too. Yeah, it was. Shit. It was, Luke. All right, Luke, it's time for some truth, you old bitch. Luke, By the way, that was s- a tough question. That was hard. Well, you swept like four of the five last time we did this, so I had to amp it up a little bit. All right, Luke, all right. due to the slow but steady legalization and decriminalization of marijuana across the U.S., more fighters have been able to dial M for milligrams and openly <laughs> flaunt their love of weed than ever before without stigma or penalty. In fact, you're vaping right now, you dirt hole. So why don't we have some fun, Luke, and force you to name... <clears throat> Your first team all tobacco squad for the sport of MMA. What that means is name the five fighters, five only, who you believe likely ingested the most amount of THC in the past 30 days. <laughs> well, you call them all tobacco. They wouldn't be all tobacco, right? In this, I call it all tobacco, but in this case, I mean THC here. Weed. I mean so weed. So which weed. five fighters have had the most THC in the last 30 days? Yes. All right. Well, Nick and Nate Diaz would be your top two. Okay. Okay. Um, ooh, that's a tough one. Uh, top five weed heads. Um, I guess we can't say Rosenthal, right? Because he's not a fighter. Um, no. <laughs> or Nate Newton, Luke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we can't say Archuleta because he's not a UFC guy, right? Or is it MMA? Is it all? I said MMA, MMA in general. Yeah. So I'll go Archuleta. I'll go Archuleta. He, he does. His family does own 
acres of fields, Luke, yes. God bless him. God bless him. I'll say, uh, oh, you know what? It's Jake Shields. It's basically like Team Scrap Pack. I like Jake Shields. Jake Shields. I see him every every time we've been. I've ever like uh, been to like a uh, any kind. Of, every time I even look at like what's happening at to high rollers. Boy, Jake Shields is always there, like beating fuckers up in those competitions and everything else. Well, they just hand out jars full of those gimmicks, Luke, and you can just. <laughs> I talked to right Jake up. Shields. I talked to Jake Shields for like an hour at the last one, and, we, and they just kept bringing us the yeah. free the pre rolls. I was like, dude, this is insane. you're like here, BC, hold my awesome. laptop. I got to talk to Jake Shields. Yeah, I right, like, uh, let me say this: if you guys are ever in Vegas and they have an event, you should go to High Rollers. It's a fucking great time. But um, so those are my four. I got to give one more. There's got to be a woman who's like just outrageous with the marijuana. I thought you were going oh. O'Malley here, Luke. No. Oh, how did I not say O'Malley? Yes, great call. Shit. Yes, that's a much better. I was okay, going to Jessica then, I because she's also there a lot. But yeah, yeah, I needed a female on the all weed team, Luke. And you're going, you're going I. I'll go Jessica I. I think she gets busy with the marijuana, like like okay. your boy, Mikey Mormile saying we should go Kevin Holland in this team here. He's but he's too sober. That fucker's out fighting crime. How much weed could he have in his system if he's out there just beating up people with fucking handguns? I doubt that. I doubt that. All right, Luke. All right. Uh, here we go. Trivia question number three, Luke. From Mirko Filipovic to Mursad Bektik, the group of European nations formerly known as Yugoslavia has produced numerous MMA talent, including those born abroad like Alexander Rakic and Stipe Miocic. And for all you history buffs out there, Yugoslavia first came into existence in 1918 following World War One, and with the exception of a four-year run beginning in 1941 when the government was in exile amid the invasion of the Axis powers at World War II, Yugoslavia remained intact until 1992. Luke, you, you know, you fancy yourself a man of the world here. Currently, there are seven independent nations which make up the firmer, former Yugoslavia. <laughs> Name five of them, Luke. Oh, I can't. I can't. This is a weak point for me. This is a weak point for me. I cannot. I won't even attempt. Dude, I thought I you would sweep all seven because you're a total world politics nerd. No, this is this is uh, the, the, parts of like Eastern European geography are weak points for me. They're absolute weak points. So okay. I will not attempt. I will. I will take the L here. Uh, no, you can't. Answer? You can't take the L and go zero. You've got to try, Luke. Okay. No, I don't. I'm, I'm gonna. No, no, no. I'm going to take the L. You literally out. cannot name one former Yugoslavian nation. I probably could name a few, but because I know for a fact I cannot even get close to five, I'm not going to. Because you can't win, win, you won't play. You, you. Yes. I mean, are you serious? Yes, dude. You you throw this on me with no prep whatsoever. I don't know. I don't know a lot about former Yugoslavia. I'm admitting I don't. Okay. And uh, mm-hmm. I'll take the L. I got to answer now an embarrassing wow. question. So what is the your embarrassing bias question? against Eastern European? It started with women. Now it's continuing to this nation. The uh, the answer, Luke, was Bosnia Herzegovina, Croatia, Kosovo, Montenegro, Kosovo. Fuck. North Macedonia, yeah. Serbia. Yeah, I would have fucked this all up. There was a couple Slovenia. of those I would have gotten, but no, I would have fucked this all up. Yeah, okay. I didn't know. I didn't know. Wow, wow, Luke, I love this. this. Is exposing you. All right, it's time for some truth here, Luke. This all is right. what you do. You you know you. Luke, everyone loves a good redemption or reunion story, which probably explains why our MK pregame preview video with Ariel Hawani, which we filmed in Tampa ahead of Paul Woodley 2, had double the traffic of any other pregame preview we filmed. So imagine a dark yet oddly realistic scenario in which my liver gives out at the exact moment in which the fungus on my cauliflower toes turns to gangrene at the exact moment 
Then Anthony Smith assaults me during an MK Live show, telling me to, quote, keep his fucking name out of my mouth. At the exact moment that Showtime decides to re- retroactively fire me for the Risen incident, Luke, okay? And your boy BC croaks right there in front of your eyes on live streaming TV like Jack Ruby sticking a gun in Oswald's gut. Okay, Luke? I'm sure you'd be sad for a few weeks. You'd probably send flowers to my family. I'm sure Malka would put together a, a clips highlight reel of my greatest moments. But Luke, at some point, Showtime execs are going to come to you and, you know, say, hey, I know you're grieving, but you might be secretly reve- relieved. How would you want this show to go on. Luke, we still believe MK can take over the the world. And we've got an idea for the only man who really could slide into BC's chair and take this brand to an even higher level. That man, Luke, you guessed it, Low Road Helwani. So my awkward question for you is this. After one year's time of Ariel replacing me in the MK chair, going three days a week as we do now, how high would the subscriber base on YouTube grow given your combined star power reputations within this combat sports brand? We're at what, 109,000 right now? In, in 12 months, the reunionized Ariel and Luke show, how far does it go? Um, far. Uh... The thing is, with his access to all the fighters that he gets and the kind of interviews he pulls, it would be three or four X what we probably do together. To be wow. Look, you should consider either offing me outright or trying to, you know, take some of my misdeeds and make them make them more public. Look. Um. Yeah, dude, I got an emergency. Can you hold on for one second? Can you tap dance for like thirty? I have an I have an emergency. Of course, I can. I have an emergency. Please. Put the screen on him. I'll be right back. I, I got to yeah, deal with this. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, did we expect Luke to come out and outright brick Yugoslavia? No. And did we expect the awkwardness of that, uh, of that, you know, your your wife dies and your old one slides back in, you know, to make the MK Grand brand grow more? Did we expect Luke to walk away awkwardly? No. But we're in the midst of an awkward segment and sometimes that happens at the end of the day. But, um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Is his neighbor mowing his lawn? Is, is uh it is uh it, it's did Tuki slide in and, and pull the plugs we got we got some questions here though to, to fill what all right Mikey wants to know who would be my dream guest to fill in for Luke if it's a guest or is this a long term uh you know if Luke dies if Luke's fungus explodes in his feet and he dies you know how many clicks could BC and somebody else do I think that's an, that's a fair question but uh Luke are you okay yeah, yeah, dude. I mean, it's just one fucking thing after the other. I don't know what the problem is with everyone in this world. I, I, golly, man. Yeah. All right. Um, All right. So Christ. you're, you know, you you're saying three hundred thousand is your guess after one year. Three hundred thousand YouTube. I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot. Maybe not that much, but two, three x for sure. Okay. okay. Something to think about for the future, Luke. Let's go to question number four. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Okay. Luke, um, there's a great website out there for music. I live and die by it. It's called allmusic.com. And based on their um, profile here, they are calling Cannibal Corpse, quote, one of the most influential 
and contentious death metal bands of all time, formed in 1990 with a furious musical assault marked by blast beats, throaty vocals, and highly violent lyrics, end quote. Luke, despite a consistent amount of controversy over the years for your favorite band, it has released 16 albums under the record label Metal Blade going back 21 years. Oh my Luke, God. Five of those 16 albums have recorded at least a four star rating by AllMusic.com on their five star scale within that specific genre. Name all four of the albums over the 16 in the, in the career of, of, of uh, Cannibal Corpse that have been rated four stars or higher by allmusic.com. Ooh, that is a... T- I don't know what the answer is, so I'm just going to have to guess. Ooh, man. Name four of the five total... Sorry, there's five total. Name, name One, two, three, four, five. Name four of the five total that are ranked four stars or higher. Is Kill on there? Uh, Luke, that would be incorrect here. Fuck. Is... Um... A skeletal get, domain? Uh, that would also be incorrect, Luke. Maybe Fuck. you're listening to the wrong Cannibal Corpse albums. Um, God, what were the ones that critics highly reviewed? I, I, honestly... I mean, it's all it's all bullshit to me, Luke. But you're the one who can carve <laughs> through it, all right? Um, dude, I have no fucking idea which ones they highly rate. I can tell you which ones I like. Jesus all right, here we go. Right, fuck, I can fuck 1991's Butchered at Birth. Okay, that's one of the famous ones, yes. 1994's The Bleeding. Eaten Back to Life. Vile from 96. Yeah. Gore Obsessed from 2002. Okay. And their last big critically claimed one was 2012's Torture, Luke. Everything Torture. else is, is shit, apparently. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. Okay, all right. Wow. Well, what's my question then? Wow, I would have never have gotten that Yugoslavian one. Yugoslavian metal fan you are. All right, Luke, here's yeah. your truth moment. I don't want a multiple answer. I don't want three or four or two. I want one. What is the single moment of your professional career that has been the most validating personally and why? Which single moment? Yes. Um, let's go inside man. the actor's studio here, Luke. Let's find out, you know? I've had a few ones that were... You know what? I will tell you that, um, you know, most validating just sort of depends on what you want it to mean. I will say... Um, I think the first time I, I sat... I, I, so I remember... Okay, you know what? It led to so much. So I'm going to mention this one. The very first ever professional MMA event in Washington, D.C. was in May of 2007. And I conned my way into calling that fight along with a guy by the name of Charlie Neal who had done a lot of HBCU sports um, coverage and some other local coverage as well as an announcer. And, you know, it was one of these crazy events back in that time when they were popping up all over the place. So I really, I love the fact that I was part of the first ever professional MMA event in D.C. I think it's like a little feather in my cap that I'm very proud of. And the guy who was the ring announcer on that card 
was uh, a guy who now, his name is JP, and he hosts, a one one four hosts, The Junkies here in Washington, D.C. These guys have been on the air for 20 years. They're a fucking institution. He was one of the guys on that, which got me into doing his show and then the show for a time called Big O and Dukes I did for a while. And then I remember the program director called me into his office one day, and I was just like a guest on their shows because this is when UFC was starting to heat up post-Ultimate Fighter, but no one knew anything about it, and I knew at least a little bit about it. I, I was working at Bloody Elbow at the time. And, uh, and then he invited me into his office and he said, um, Hey, we'd like to give you a show, a radio show. And this was still when radio was kind of hot. I mean, it's still hot, but you know, in 2007, 2008, radio was still a very, very important means of, uh, you know, media communication and, and, a, a very, to an extent, to an extent, glamorous industry. And I just was over the moon about that. I had, I didn't expect it. I wasn't asking for one. I wasn't even thinking about it. And then he just did it. And it was only a weekend show. It wasn't a big deal. But uh, it opened so many doors for me. And I learned so much from the job. And it it was so fulfilling to do that to do that work. I've had bigger moments, you know, getting on TV, getting this gig. We're bigger. We're definitely bigger. But in terms of, like, sentimental value, that was up there. Also, when we did the uh, SB Nation Consensus um, USA Today MMA rankings, and we had our rankings in every USA Today, in every hotel room, in every print edition, every month, that was pretty big too. I like. I, I was pretty proud of that. All right, Luke, that was a good answer. You didn't. You didn't. Uh, yeah, you did it. Thank you. I'm. I'm proud yeah. of you. Is that the promotion that you called the Brendan Schaub fight in? So it's funny you mentioned that. I was working at that radio station at the time that I was doing that, but that was called UWC. I was a terrible commentator. I mean, if you listen to me do it, I would, it's probably unbearable to hear. I, I was not good at it. But yes, I, was, I think it was Shab's like second or third pro fight. He fought like the local guy who was a big, tough wrestler from Mason, and Shab fucked him up completely. Um, we, quickly, I would like so. someday to, to get footage of that fight and your call and, and you know do like a behind the scenes with you and Shab, Luke. Yeah, we should. I would. I'd love to do that with him because I. I actually remember seeing him. I'd done some homework on him. I remember seeing him, and then uh, the first time I ever when he was like, when he was in good shape. You know, he was a formidable athlete. And then when he walked by, I was like, "You're Brendan Job." And we got to talking. There's actually a picture of us talking for the first time, and um, and he went in there and made short work of this dude. It was like it was like it was nothing. So, all right, Luke, let's make you uncomfortable one final time, Luke. You know the questions escalate in difficulty. Let's see if you get this. This is your last one. Luke, in 22 trips to the Octagon, your arch nemesis, John Jones, has won 20 times with only, of course, the DQ loss to Matt Hamill and the no contest with DC in their 2017 rematch as the lone blemishes. Of those 20 UFC wins, five have come by submission. Not only do I want you to name all five, Luke, but I'll give you a hint. Three of the five came in the calendar year of 2011. Who are the five (laughs) UFC fighters, John Jones, has submitted Leota Machida, Ryan Bader. Um, let me think here. So let's go through these. Jake O'Brien, did he submit? No, I don't think so, right? Uh, he didn't submit Matt Yushchenko or Vera. Um, Shogun, did are we counting people? Did, did no, that was a TKO. So then we had the two Gustafson fights, that wouldn't count. Two Cormier fights, those don't count. Smith, Reyes, Santos don't count. Now, when you say five, are all five of those in UFC? Yes. Okay. Bonner, no. Guzmao, no. Shit, dude, who the fuck am I forgetting here? Luke, you have run out of time. 
Do you want to make a final guess here? You have run out of time. Can you give, I, can you give me one hint? Um, one. All right. You said Jake O'Brien, and then you said no. He was one of them. So that's oh, three. Fuck. Can you get the other two? It, he didn't submit. Oh, he did submit Vitor, didn't he? Yes. That's four. Who is the fifth one he submitted? Uh, I think you got it wrong, Luke. All right, oh, you, you, you had a good right. effort. It was a good fight, Luke. We were looking for Quentin Rampage Jackson, 2011. Rampage from the back. He choked him from the back, yes. I was there. I was in Denver at the Pepsi Center. All right, Luke, your final uncomfortable question. Maybe this is the last time this segment appears. I think it's died a slow death in front of our eyes, Luke. No, I actually Luke, like this segment. I'm sorry. I had an emergency. It's fucking, I can't get a break. I can't get a break. Luke, with the exception of myself, who serves as a bit of a hybrid friend, co-host, and competitor in this space at different times, depending on the time of the day, which three active media members or media personalities in the greater combat sports space do you feel really are your biggest competitors in what you do in terms of their success and how it motivates you to be better at your own craft? I don't, are your... I don't pay attention to a single thing anyone else does. I don't believe that for a half fucking you, second you have at to. all. Because, well, you, you, don't ha- check, you don't check the comments either, right, Luke? No, I checked. I always tell you the truth about it. I always check them on occasion. I do not check them every episode. I check them on occasion. So that that is definitely the reality there. Um, dude, I don't, I don't pay attention to what the competitors do. But to answer the question in good faith, in the way in which you're asking it, I think the three biggest names or the or the the names where you know they're doing something similar to us or maybe they're a little bit ahead of us in a certain way you know in the same kind of space obviously ariel you got to put him number one i'd probably put brett okamoto in there as well he's Who, great uh, dude th- brett you know everything you want to say about his looks aside brett's fucking good at what he does okay? dude i think you want to bang brett more than you <laughs> he's very handsome man there. you know i i, I was it's once like, his like, editor who would, and I who would bang him. brett okamoto first bc or his wife i'd go bc uh, dude, i, really I love brett i'm not i wouldn't no in all fairness i wouldn't bang him but i do love him he's a great guy bro how great many guy. beers deep was this when he congratulated us at the mma awards Seventy-five. <laughs> oh, so, yeah yeah i mean you know he he, he was on the verge of throwing up within the next hour probably um and there's a lot of good ones but like relative to what we're doing those two for sure and then it's a little bit less clear because you have some foreign language ones that do some pretty interesting stuff um whoo that's actually the third one is kind of i mean i guess i might say damn i don't know about the third one to be honest with you because they're they're all do like kevin Ioli's up there but he didn't really do the same thing we do no, and then Mark well, they, up there. They don't have to do the same thing you do. They could just, in a sense, be people that you look at as competitors in the space. Like I thought you were going to pick Chael. To be fair, he does TV. He does his own. Yeah, he does a know. lot of similar stuff too. But again, dude, I don't, I don't, I don't think of him in that way. Yeah. Um, I want to keep it somebody who like wasn't a former fighter, wasn't a uh, former. Okay, fighter. how about Submission Radio, dude? They get big numbers and they're they're they fucking do. good. They, at they're it. pretty good up there. They're pretty good up there, no doubt about it. Um. I'll go. Ooh, that's man, it's tough. You know what? You know who I'll say? I'll say Chris Mannix. Chris Mannix. Um, Good point. Good point. He's got he, he's boxing. It's not MMA, but he's got the Sports Illustrated gig where he does boxing and NBA. I've always kind of wanted to not NBA per se, but dabble a little bit outside. Plus, in the boxing side, he's got the DAZN gig. And he has like a podcast on top of it. Like Chris Mannix has done a lot of good work as well. So okay. I'll, I'll say those. I'll say Ariel, Okamoto, Mannix. Is that, is that a fair list? I feel like it's a pretty That's fair a list. That's a very fair list. I'm, I'm, hey, Mike Bone, I'm sorry. 
Okay, I'm sorry. All right. yeah, see, that's the thing. It's like there's a lot of guys who do great stuff, but I just I, I'm just trying to think about like more on the on camera space. Although he does on camera work as well, but yeah, no, he's yeah. great. Oscar Wilde's great. El Shadi, a lot of great, a lot of great Dude, guys. There's in tons the of there's tons of great ones. D- Danny Segura is our guy. Shaq is our Hall, guy. Yeah, oh, yeah, a lot yeah, of good yeah. ones. All right, ones. Luke. Thank you for playing my bullshit reindeer games. We got one more for you. Morningcombat at gmail.com is the home of uh, our producers. If you want to email in Wednesday fan subs, Friday dead wrongs. But today, Luke, we look deep and we turn the camera back on our viewers into their souls to see whether they can fit in a Schmedium MK shirt. This one's called fan subs. <laughs> We've got mail. Yes. Male listeners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this You've is Jay. Uh, he says, I've got no message for you, but this guy sent these in last minute last Wednesday. I guess he's talking about himself. What do we got here? <laughs> we haven't been that thin since we were teens. Yes, yes, yes. That's Snoop Dogg level thin. Thank you for how high. That was great. And this is what? Oh, blow that up. Blow that up. There we go. Cheech and Chong's Chronicles of Brief History of Weed. <laughs> Thank you. We got one more. <laughs> I'll take that right there. Yes. Thank yeah, you. that's half pretty baked. good. That's pretty that's good. Half very baked. You well love half baked. I love half baked, but I think you love half baked even more than me. Like you love. Yeah, half-baked. I think it's the greatest comedy movie of, of my lifetime. I'm not saying it's, it's pretty better. Good. It's, it's good. Pound for pound than comedy classics, but in my sense of humor, yeah, it's the greatest movie. It's the funniest movie of all time. All right, this one's from Julian. Hey boys, each time Luke puffs on that vape, I remember him saying that he was going to quit. Yes. I laughed then, and I continue to laugh as a longtime yes. fan. Luke, yes. may all of your carcinogen gains not be loyal. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I keep attempting to, but. I haven't really tried that hard. I'm pathetic. So, yes. Yeah, Guil- guilty you. as charged. All right. Tom says, hey, thanks to Luke and BC for sharing their favorite movies on a recent episode of MK. I went back and watched this 90s classic on their recommendation. <laughs> Cheers from Dublin. It's Tom C. Yes, yes. Dude, that might be the best fan sub I've ever seen. Washed and washed washed and washed earth. I mean, it could not be more perfect. Two pathetic zeros who somehow have managed to fucking find their way into something interesting. That truly is the story of this brand. Unbelievable. Thank you very much. Uh, Also, we have Brandon here who says, hi, Luke and Brian. Here's a photo of me repping the drug rug this weekend at my local motocross race up here in Montana. Thanks for your awesome content. I look forward to it. I haven't missed an episode. Oh, shit. Oh, dude, that's badass, right? Dude. That is that is both perfectly dub T and also fucking awesome at the same time. That is one hell of a shot. Dude, I love that one. That is great. Look, I was told the other day that they're co- actually called not drug rugs or Mexican hoodies. They're called Baja hoodies because they started in the Baja section of Mexico there below California. Do you believe that, Luke? I mean, they're ugly. They're beautiful. Thank you. Uh, this one's from Sam. He says, say the line. Say the line. Upper bound limit. <laughs> I like that he took the average Joe art of you, Luke. That's beautiful right there. That, that, yeah, you got one coming. You have one uh, that he's making for you as well. He's going to make it awesome. Trust me. You'll, you'll be happy with it, I'm sure. I, we may have to make posters that we put out uh, next Plus, to the did web you, Did you not take math classes in high school where they talked about the upper bound limit? No. I mean, I did take math classes, but, you know, I went to... Did you not? Uh, did you take calculus in high school? I did. Pre-cal. Yeah, pre... I, I took all no. that did shit. Did you take calculus or did you take pre-cal? Because they ain't the same. 
I think both. I think both. Yeah. Okay. I think senior year I took calculus. I mean, I you know, that was 26 years ago, Luke. Okay. At this point. All right. I mean, my kids are going to be in high school next year. I'm old as shit, dude. Okay? Yeah, you are old as fuck. Uh, Jason says, what's up, BC and LT? Jay from Boston here. Just one for you. This is how your Bellator recap should have been shown to the viewers. BC, please hide the satchel and them chicken legs. MK <laughs> is a family show. <laughs> I mean, we both just look terrible. I just look terrible all the time. Yeah. I mean, look, I do have, uh, you know, very underdeveloped muscularly uh, thin legs. But, you know, that happens in life if you're a piece of shit, right? You know what I mean? The fat face, skinny legs. There you go. It's BC. Thank you very much. Uh, that was funny. Tommy says, hey, uh, Lug in BC. It's Tommy from Australia. I think you may also be in the one half percent of MMA fans. Oh, he might be in that percent of MMA fans who enjoy our boxing coverage. I saw the doctored photo that Lug posted on Instagram of the nosebleed views you guys had for Spence Ugas. Fortunately, I was able to source the original version of what was on your screens. Can we zoom in? I didn't see this yet. <laughs> Uh, that would be Joanna's IG account. Uh, <laughs> I've been there before, and over uh, go over to Luke's side of it, please. <laughs> Luke, are those and vapes? Dude, that actually is my vape in the picture. That's the best part about it on the table. That is oh, fucking boy. awesome. That's great. That is great stuff. They know us better than we know ourselves. They, the tr yeah. Truly, that is. It, a, a more accurate statement has never been uttered on this show, ever. Uh, all right, Jonah's here with a Bellator meme, Luke. Let's see if this is any good. Bellator fans waiting for... <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, let's I get was that. like, when is this fuck... And everyone was like, dude, don't worry. Cyborg's going to blow her out in a round. I'm like... Uh, Todd says, these are the additional photos of Carla Esparza's bachelorette party, and oh, they're God. disturbing, he says. Let's see what we got here. <laughs> would you show up to this bachelor party in your drug rug? That would be the only fitting move. With and I like how you have goggles the splash on? goggles. Like you just yeah. won the World Series and you're getting champagne sprayed in your face. Oh, God. I would have definitely gone to that party. There's no question. Wow, Luke. Wow. All right. Uh, JP is here. My boy Jay, that my long lost... French-Canadian cousin, um, he says, I may be a week late here, but I feel it's a moment in time we'll never forget. BC in those shorts. Luke is out and Sharon is in. BC makes her feel right at home and renames the show <laughs> Basic Combat. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, dude, that is... So like I mean, BC, B, BC sat down at the at the at, for our post fight show. He's like, "Who wants to go to Arby's? We have the meats." Are you, are you telling me I look like Hope Solo, Luke? Where are you going with this? I mean, come on, bro. Oh boy. Okay, let's get out are of you, that. Are, I don't know. Are you punching relatives at a cookout? All right. <laughs> okay. Uh, Danger Mouse is back, Luke. You know he always gives us good stuff. Uh, he's back with a trio of TV and film-related memes. Hey, BC, I've sent you to the Mandalorian to help you shill those athletic greens. <laughs> this is the way, Luke, okay? This I is. Do, I do love athletic greens. Uh, you've made a few references to the classic film Pulp Fiction in the last few shows, so I've taken the opportunity to add Luke to a couple of scenes. 
One showing his love of coffee. Uh, that's right, Luke. That's dead on. That's dead on right there. It is pretty fair, yes. Yes. And finally, a change of character for Luke and a shout out to Sylvester Trestalone in a chat whose comment gave me the idea. All right, Sylvester inspired this, Luke. I mean, it's a little much. I don't know that I'm pointing a gun at the head of the fans, but yes, that is. I mean, if you're going to dead wrong me, and I've been dead wrong before, I will be dead wronged again. you got to be accurate. That's the deal. That's the deal. Uh, Morningcombat at gmail.com. Thank you to all, all our posters here. Uh, hey, Bill and Jenna, you still alive in the RV? Reach out to me. I'm doing a wellness check on you right now. Thank you very much. Uh, love our people. Web Scream, congrats again on your beautiful son. He continues to to grow. Uh, Luke, we've, we, we've just got a, a weird group of, um, I want to say followers, but Luke, we're, we're on this journey with them. Uh, Acolytes. Yeah, yeah. You know, we can we run up that meme of me doing uh, Heaven's Gate? I mean, did you ever see that picture they made of me, Luke? With uh, with like the gear on that they wore, with like the Nikes and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the yeah. tracksuit I mean, or whatever. Are, we are, we are brainwashing a new generation. It is MK Ultra. Um, thank you to our team. Remember to go to our merch house, MorningCombat.store. You can get ten percent off today using the code Live Ten. That's Morning Combat. Dot store, great merch, hats, mugs, all that great shit, okay? Um, 30 days free of Showtime, please, the label that pays us. Um, just a heads up, folks. We're, we're going to be filming some really fun stuff over the next few weeks. We, we won't stop, okay? Can't stop, won't stop. So support us here at Showtime. Get your 30 days free, Boxing, Bellator, all that, and then some. Uh, Luke, we're coming on again, okay? Well, that's the thing. We don't stop, Luke. We don't rest on our laurels at all. I don't even know what laurels are, bro. Uh, let's see about this. So, as you mentioned, all the stuff there, morningcombat at gmail.com for Friday's Dead Wrong. We'll have some more content coming for you tomorrow. I got a little video coming your way. I think oh, we'll we like. got big interviews. Should we say the names or wait? We should wait. Let's wait. Let's wait. Let's wait. Let's wait. Because we don't know if they're going to happen because you know how it goes. So, let's just yeah. see how it goes. But then, we, you're right. We have some of that coming as well. So, we got some fun stuff headed your way. You can follow us on social there. Uh, and that's it, BC. I still have a fire I have to put out, so I probably yeah. Have to any go. any of you haters that think we've peaked, we haven't. We haven't. Uh, we're also going to be. We haven't said anything about us, but we're going to be probably in studio not this weekend, but the following. So um, we got some stuff coming your way for that as well. Yeah. Fun, fun shows. All right, BC for Brian Campbell for Malka for CBS Sports for Showtime. I'm Luke Thomas. Thank you guys so much for watching. More content coming your way tomorrow, and then of course on Friday. Until then, may all of your gains be loyal.